0: Hi, this is Mark Arnold, and welcome to Fun Ideas Podcast number 152. The Fun Ideas Podcast is brought to you in part by Lee's Comics. Friends, have you
1: tried Lee's Comics? Lee's Comics is better than the leading comic book store. Wait
0: a minute. Lee's Comics is the leading comic book store. Based on arbitrary standards set by Lee Hester himself. Lee's Comics was named as one of the 21 best online dealers by PopOptique.com. To shop the Lee's Comics eBay store, go to eBay, and search for Lee's Comics, Inc. That's L-E-E-S-C-O-M-I-C-S-I-N-C, period. Don't forget the period. Mention the Fun Ideas podcast when you order, and you'll receive a free bonus gift.
2: You remember them from your childhood. Cat for the Friendly Ghost, Richie Ridge, Hot Stuff, Baby Huey, Sad Sack, and Little Audrey—you read them in comic books and saw them on television and in the movies. Now you can read about how they and other Harvey comic characters were created in two great books from Mark Arnold and Fun Ideas Productions: *The Best of Harveyville Fun Times* and *The Harvey Comic Companion*. Both are available from Amazon. The companion is also available from Fair Manor Media. They are available in hardcover, paperback, and ebook versions. Order your copies today.
3: Long title Looking for the Good Times, Examining the Monkey Song One by One by Michael Aventrella
1: and Mark Arnold. A book that examines each song gives lots of details about each song
0: and our own personal opinions you can find this book on amazon barnes and nobles and anywhere where good books are being sold our webpage is wordpress.monkeys.com where you can see many of the songs and give your own opinions of them and we will be discussing this more on zilch
2: christmas christmas time is here and alvin and the chipmunks are here again in 1958, a down and a luck songwriter with an unlikely name of Ross Bagdasarian plunged the last of his family's savings on a multi-seat tape recorded and created The Witch Doctor and Alvin and the Chipmunks. This changed the fortunes for his family, his record label, and animated cartoon studio. Alvin! The story of Ross Bagdasarian liberty records format film and the alvin show by mark arnold and fun ideas Productions is available from amazon and Bear manor media in hardcover paperback and ebook versions order your copies today
0: you can now order my latest book the ttv scrapbook from amazon barnes and noble or Bear manor media if you'd like signed copies of this or any of my books please email me at funideas.mark at gmail.com for further information on how to order directly from me via PayPal. I'm currently working on a Dino Writer's article for Back Issue Magazine, and of course, the Mad and Turtles books. My next book should be the Pac-Man book I turned in earlier this year. It should be out sometime in 2022. On today's show, we have a returning author and TV show historian. Today, we're going to discuss the classic Carol Burnett show. Here he is, Wesley Hyatt. Hi, this is Mark Arnold with another episode of Fun Ideas Podcast, and today we have a returning guest. It is Mr. Wesley Hyatt. How are you doing tonight, sir? I'm doing very good. Thank you so much for having me. Right. And, of course, last time you were on the show, we were discussing Betty White, and who has unfortunately passed away since Mm -hmm. our last discussion. Yes, yes. But uh, since our last discussion, I actually did get a copy of the book, and it's an excellent book, so... I don't know if you have one to hold up, because uh, <laughs> but it's Betty White on TV, and yeah. uh, it's through Bear Manor Media, and we could talk about that a little bit. But my main reason for having you back on the show mm-hmm. is, even though I'm a Betty White fan, I'm a bigger, bigger Carol Burnett fan. Yeah. <laughs> and when you were on the show the first time, we kind of went through all your books, and we talked about the Hope book and everything else. But Carol Burnett show has like been my like life dream to see them all, you know, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> me
3: too. <laughs>
0: now with current technology of streaming things, they're pretty darn close. So I'm yeah. like very happy. So I started watching them and, you know, I started emailing you questions. It's like, oh, you missed episodes <laughs> and stuff like that. Or are you going to do another edition? And then I said, you know, I'm asking you so many questions. I might as well just have you on the show again. <laughs> we can just kind of hash it out and discuss it and you can yep. kind of fill me in on some things that, I didn't know before because I hadn't seen the first five seasons before. Yeah, like most people, yeah. yeah um, and, you know, just other things that just kind of came into my head, you know, mm-hmm. stuff like that uh, yep. about the show. So uh, welcome to the show. Um, I guess tell me a little bit about how you came about. Let me hold up the book. It's still, this one I didn't bring.
3: Yes. Uh, the, Carol, <laughs> the Carol
0: Burnett Show Companion.
3: I mean, you got it. Um, so you glad gotta we have this time.
0: I don't know the subject. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah, you got to bookmark. Where are you at in the book right now? I, well,
0: I actually haven't watched all eleven seasons. Oh, um, because not. A, you uh, call yourself a fan? Yeah, <laughs> because I've seen <laughs> season six through eleven over and over and over and over. Yeah. So now I'm watching them chronologically. Yeah. And if it's a skit I've seen before, I just kind of I just have it on, and I'm like doing other things. Which. Yeah totally happened starting season six I'm like okay I've seen that one I've seen that, yeah <laughs> yeah unless it was like the one with Lily Tomlin which I always forget the name of the women in prison or something yes yes yeah. uh,
1: I, I, I love can't... that skit. yeah <laughs> so well that was that. that's one of their best shows ever that was yeah. with her and uh Steve Lawrence <laughs> that was a great show from start to finish you know from that that was one that had the interesting introduction of them doing a production number of we're all Uh, singing in the same band and uh, coming out in color for costumes. It was, it was, it's one of their best. Yeah.
0: Right. And that one's actually easily accessible and has been for years. I mean, originally it was on the Columbia House tapes and they put it on DVDs. And then I think Time Life took over the DVD series. So I'm sure it's readily available. It's been in Carol Burnett and Friends syndication for years. Yeah. You know, at least part of that episode. And, you know, it is a classic. So, (laughs) but I always have to watch that one again. I love. I love Vicki Lawrence whenever she does the dumb girl voice. And she does yeah. it a lot. <laughs> dumb girl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then she gets it on the head. Nobody. No yeah. trouble. I've seen. Um, anyway, so I am up to, this is the last episode I watched before we talked i'm just watching like two or three episodes sometimes more depending on yeah you don't have there's no rule yeah. you have to watch a bunch of yeah uh, one time. but i'm up to november 15 1972 and that's why the bookmark is here john davidson and ruth buzzy so um,
1: oh, okay i that, know i
0: saw yeah. the beginning of the episode because it's where carol is dressed as zelda <laughs> yeah and ruth buzzy is gladys ornby from laughing and yep. they're kind of finding seats in the audience and Making self-deprecating comments about how ugly they are and things like that—it's yeah. it's, it's cute and amusing. So yeah.
1: <laughs> it's interesting that that Ruth did the show that year because that was the last season of Laugh In mm-hmm. as well. And I've seen they've they've had all Laugh Ins now out on DVD, right. and, and I thought I'd never see that last season again because George Slaughter didn't produce it and he was holding a graduate. They they've included it there, mm-hmm. and you can tell. It's very telling that show really was going downhill that season. Mm-hmm. Even and Carol guest starred on the show uh, on Laugh In during that time. Um, mm-hmm. Significantly, was one week when Lily Tomlin was off during that show. So I think well, I don't think was,
0: she was a regular anymore in the final season.
1: Lily, yeah. Lily was in the last season. The last season, she was. It was her, uh, her Ruth, um, Dennis Allen, and um, Richard Dawson. And Moosey Dryer were the only carryovers from previous seasons. Oh, okay. And the newcomers, there were a couple of good ones, um, like Patty Deutsch and so on there, but most of them didn't click. And it was a, well, that's a different
0: story. So. Yeah, I know, but, <laughs> but I, will, I will say this in defense of the sixth season. I actually, surprisingly, I, I actually enjoyed it, surprisingly, even though I had seen them the last time when I was like six years old. So I didn't mm-hmm. know, you know, because when you're six, you go, oh, this is great, you know, and then you see it again, yeah. you're like, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, I still like Willie Tyler and Lester. I did then, and you know, yeah. you know, they they handled themselves very well in that season. Yeah. Um, I don't think Rowan and Martin. I know we're supposed to be talking about that,
3: <laughs> but you didn't
0: write the laugh in book. I had to get a different book. <laughs> yeah, there was a good laugh in book from McFarland Press. But anyway, yes. well, yeah.
3: Um,
0: anyway, uh, yeah. Rowan and Martin, I think, still held it together, and of course Gary Owens is still announcing, so it had mm-hmm. some semblance. But yeah. The only thing I can think of about that season though and I watched it about a year or so ago is it almost seems like the natural bridge from classic you know variety show kind of like Carol Burnett mm-hmm. to what became Saturday night live mm-hmm. you know they weren't like pushing barriers but at yeah. the same time it was a little more loose that last 72 73 season that's what mm-hmm. I kind of thought about yeah. it, you know, when yeah. I was watching it. Now, yeah. you probably wouldn't have thought of that at the time, but, you know, yeah. in retrospect. Now, did Lauren Michaels work on that show, too? I, I yes. he, did. He,
1: wor- he worked on Laughing. yes, he did. Okay, so that so... influenced him, definitely. Yeah. yeah, definitely.
0: And I always think Ed Sullivan's show influenced uh, Lauren Michaels, too, because yeah. he, had, he had the Muppets on the first season, of course, Ed Sullivan. Had the yeah, Muppets yeah. The <laughs> and, you know, I know, especially, I you know that we're talking about other shows now, but uh, Saturday Night Live, especially like the first 10 episodes of the first season, they were really just trying to find their way, what works, yeah. what doesn't work and everything yeah. like that. But this is interesting. Yeah,
1: anyway. exactly. exactly. So
0: Carol Burnett, same yes. kind of thing. Um, when she started, you know, you, you can recap the story, but it was basically the push the button story. And uh, they were kind of finding their way for at least a year. Mm-hmm. um possibly because they thought maybe this is it i'm get the, is that correct is, is, you know when they did the first season well they were
1: pretty much assur- assured they were going to get a year on cbs yeah. based on her contract that she had when she signed with them um in 1962 when she was at the i guess height of her early popularity with being on the gary moore show she had that condition with cbs that her agent put in there, and that Mike Dan and his uh, ignorance, because it was the first time Mike Dan as CBS programming head was dealing with a contract for an actual talent. Uh, he allowed it that there that there was a possibility that she could uh, have her own variety show for 30 shows on the network for one season. And so, uh, yeah, it was in the, um, around Christmas time, 1966, she and her husband, um, Looked at each other, and they're like, they had moved to uh, Hollywood, and they weren't getting as many offers as they thought um, from the time. And uh, they're like, we got to get something. And then it hit Carol, like, oh yeah, I've got that clause in my thing. Let me go ahead and 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 do that and get it together. So uh, that uh, prompted a whole search by them of people to include some of which came from Gary Moore, other from other variety shows, uh, some different writers uh it was a thing a a lot of good good luck and serendipity involved there too the biggest being harvey corman uh they ran into him when he was doing he was staging the comedy sketches for the steve allen comedy hour which was a summer replacement on cbs and they knew him from danny k show and what a great job he did there and it's like we we got we got to have you um they were thinking about uh having some other types uh other harvey corman types i guess there but now that they get to harvey corman that was a big assist for them there too and uh but yeah it was a uh, there was a seasoned amount of people but at the same time if you look back when the carol burnett show did they were all under 40 which was pretty unusual for a variety show in 1967 if you look at ed sullivan red skelton um jackie gleason dean martin you know most of them were in their 50s or above at the time there it was starting to gray out and so that gave the show kind of a, a youthful um look at itself at the same time
0: Do you think besides the contract uh that they were willing to give it a chance just because smothers brothers had debuted earlier in the year and done reasonably well and they were younger as well yeah smothers brothers was a big surprise to cbs you know
1: mike dan said that was his hardest programming job was trying to find something to beat bonanza for about five or six years in the 60s and when the smothers brothers cut into bonanza's ratings you know that was a big um uh, selling point for it there too at at the same time uh as mike dan i talked to him before his death and i asked him about the, the show and he said even though they had a contract um they didn't have a, any say about where he could put it in the CBS schedule, you know? Mm -hmm. So he's like, I I could have put it on Saturday mornings if I wanted to, but obviously he didn't with the amount of money they were spending on it. Mm -hmm. So he gave them what uh, some thought was the toughest, one of the toughest time slots CBS had, which was Mondays from 10 to 11. um, Which everyone's like, well, that's following Lucy and, Uh, Andy Griffith and all that stuff shouldn't that have been too hard but CBS had had a tough time that uh period there there was a time there uh when Ben Casey was doing better than it in that period and then they just had some others that just didn't click um and they tried about everything so um they put her in that slot uh but even then when she debuted there were a lot of stations CBS stations that didn't carry the show initially because i guess they of the um worries about um for whatever worries there was the fact that carol had done was one of the co-hosts of the entertainers which was like a rotating variety show back in 64 65 and it had bad ratings and uh, it was a lot of controversy about her saying that she got injured on the show and that affected her doing her broadway career at the same time it was kind of a debacle so that might have played into it too but the early ratings were good enough that uh they built up and the show uh, got its renewal and went
0: on from there yeah a couple of questions based on everything you said um mm-hmm. i reread your book kind of flaunt, <laughs> quickly summer some, yeah. <laughs> so i don't remember everything i read but i mean um how did how was harvey cormann magically available i mean was danny K show actually canceled or was it going to go for another season danny K show was canceled Okay. Um,
1: yeah it, it ran four years um the last year it was pretty much obvious it was going to be canceled there so harvey then took the job of staging the uh comedy sketches for the steve allen comedy hour there at cbs television city mm-hmm. and that was where carol and then we're uh, doing some initial work and they ran into Harvey and they said, Harvey, we're doing a new show. You got to do it. And he's like, Oh, okay. All right. I'll, I'll go ahead and do it. Um, they had looked at people like Bernie Coppell and some others as possible um, second bananas to Carol. But I think Harvey was the one that they just thought was the the prime candidate uh, for the job. Uh, as for the other regulars, um, Vicky Lawrence actually auditioned against I'm going to hate to, I forget, get her name, but um, it was another blonde actress um, uh, who I interviewed, and I for, it's in the book.
3: Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> oh, that's, that's not important. I mean, yes, <laughs> uh, but I do
0: have a question about that too, yeah. uh, but I'll go back yeah. to Harvey for a second. It's sure. like, um, was Harvey, you you did talk to Chris Corman, his son, right? So, yes, it I did. Mean, yep. Okay. So he might've answered this for his dad. You know, I met Harvey once, but. It was not a situation where I could ask him a ton of questions. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> otherwise, I would have been there for a couple hours. Yeah. saying, Harvey this, Harvey <laughs> that. But it was a, it was. I'll tell you what it is, and then I'll say my questions. Um, in it, I used to go to San Francisco State, and uh, graduated from there. Uh, Ronnie Shell also, you know, yeah. uh, graduated there, and he yep. would do this benefit show every year, and we'd go see it, and uh, we'd be behind the stage. I had a friend that would get us backstage. And, so I kind okay. of got to be kind of friends with Ronnie. And every yeah. year he had his he buddies. So what you know, one year he had and I don't remember they all blurred together. So I you know, I went like oh. three or four times. So
3: over the yeah. course
0: of the three or four times, one year actually had Tim Conway and Harvey performing like classic skits like the Dennis skit, yeah, <laughs> things like that on stage. And uh this is probably four or five years before Harvey's death, you know, so that's roughly the time, um, Carl Ballantyne did his magic act, um, Merv Griffin came out, um, and this, this is the one that kills me, um, and now I can't think of his name, who's the trumpeter guy that was always on the the show with, uh, um, on Merv Griffin's show? Oh, um, um, Jack Sheldon? Yes, Jack Sheldon, thank you. So, you know, I meet Bird Grip, and he's gracious and very open and everything. Hi, how you doing? You know, everything. <laughs> and then I meet Jagger. Hi, how you doing? And it's like it wasn't until I got home because you know I'm a kid of the '70s. I go, "That's the guy who did Conjunction Junction," and I'm <laughs> yeah. just a bill, and I didn't get to
3: ask him about that. You know, now of course he's gone. Yeah, so, I know. You know. I know. Yeah, you know, I hate that
0: when you know. Like, at yeah. least Carl Ballantyne, I knew. I didn't know he did the magic thing at the time. And, and then I found out later, oh, he's done this forever. But yep. I knew him from McHale's Navy. So Yes, of course. You know, yep. anyway. But going back to Harvey. Uh, <laughs> um was Harvey kind of scrambling around at that time for work? Because if, wasn't it that season that he was also doing the great gazoo for the Flintstones and stuff like he, that? Too? He
1: was doing that the previous season, 65, oh, okay. 66. Yeah. Okay. Um, and he he did some stuff. I don't know if he was actually scrambling, but I think he was available, you know, and definitely was interested in, um, uh, you know, doing the the show uh, with what um, Carol and her husband uh, were offering him at the time there uh, mm-hmm. so uh that that fit in fairly well um, um and, as for the others besides vicky it was heather north that's who it was um she's a lovely lady got to talk to her um, she 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 and uh vicky auditioned to play carol's sister in the carol and sis sketches um, but heather said when she came there she realized Vicky was going to get it because Vicky dyed her hair to look even more like Carol than Carol herself <laughs> well, and was, Vicky already was resembled that
0: her audition just kind of a formality because when did that miss fireball contest story miss
1: fireball happened uh, that uh, uh, I think back around Christmas of sixty six too when Carol was pregnant and everything she guess Carol said she was fourteen months pregnant you know oh, yeah. and uh <laughs> came and saw Vicky and and um, and then when Carol had her child, Vicky came to the hospital, and they said, "Oh, you're Carol's sister," and let her ride in there and let her <laughs> congratulate. So, yeah, I think I think they wanted to have her, but I think they had to kind of get some film on her, so to yeah. speak, you know, some tape uh, to see that she could do it. And so they went through a formality and of having an audition. Um, apparently, I think there might have been. I think I'm not even sure. I don't know if Joyce Boulefont was in the running or some others. There might've been a few others. They did the initial um, like talking, you know, just, just reading out loud and auditioning. But Heather was, did go on the, um, the on-air edition. And when she lost it, she didn't care because (laughs) um, she was really, um, she, she was mostly typecast and soap operas. She'd done one called Paradise Bay, and then she did a couple of years on Days of Our Lives, and while she wasn't thrilled about that, she fell in love with the director on day, that, H. Wesley Kenney, and they were married until his death a couple of years ago, uh, mm-hmm. happily. In fact, he was the one who answered the phone when I interviewed her, so, <laughs> honey, here you go. So, <laughs> Wasn't uh, Heather
0: North, uh, was it, didn't she play Lou Grant's girlfriend for a few episodes of Mary on show? No, no, no! You're thinking Sherry North. Sherry North. Sorry, Heather North. (laughs) Heather
3: North.
1: What is she? Heather North. You might know better from um, uh, Scooby-Doo. She was the voice of uh, Daphne. Yeah, yeah, on um, the original Scooby Doo cartoons. Okay. So Fair. yes, so um, so she legs. liked that, <laughs> yeah. But she after after the '70s, she pretty much retired and seemed very happy um, yeah. doing things. And like she said, she's like, I could have never done Mama like the way Vicki did. And <laughs> she said she had no regrets about doing that, even though when um, on Vicki's talk show back in the '90s, Harvey was a guest there, and he said. Yeah, I remember that audition. That other girl was much better than you. I don't know why we didn't use her. (laughs) He was joking, of course, you know. But uh, Well,
0: was, I mean, obviously they probably did as a formality, but also to show maybe the big wigs, you know, who are you having on your show, you know? I mean, there's still probably a little bit of, you know, hands-on just to kind of make sure that 30 weeks aren't 30 weeks of just Carol staring yeah. into the camera
3: or something, you know.
1: <laughs> well, as far as I know, they didn't have too much inter- network interference at the time. Okay. Definitely not what they have nowadays. Hmm. They were able to, and, you know, again, like I said, most of the cast was under 40. So that's very unusual for a CBS show at the time yeah. there, you know, um, that they had. And, um, you know, Vicki was very adorable and got a lot of, uh, you know, young viewers' attention. Obviously, she was around 18 or 19 at the time. And, um and amazing then, how
0: young she is. When, when you look yes. back on it, you know, like I'm in 1972, and I go, she's like 22 here, and she's yeah. already, her, her, the, the growth in her career from 67 to 72 already, you know, even by 69, yeah. 70, she's like already better than she was.
1: Yeah, um, well, she, she she decided she's like, when she realized after the first year okay this is something that can really develop for me and i'm not going to be a dental assistant like she planned originally <laughs> she said um okay then i need to i need to learn this stuff better i need to learn from harvey and carol and everything and do this otherwise i'm just going to be because she was basically stuck doing just the carol and sis sketches right. and maybe the musical numbers and dance numbers there right. for a while
0: now in the first and, season especially she actually missed some episodes was that because she was learning her craft or was it stage fright because i know there's that one q a where she comes out and she's all biting her nails and all shy and everything and they it might they have asked, been
1: it might have been that or it might have been joe hamilton being cheap to be honest
3: oh, okay right. you
1: know carol's husband the executive producer of the show i always it was never said but i always had the feeling that you know every season they ended with a family show well the Saying it's family is a cute way of saying, you know, we don't have to pay a guest star for this one right. so we can save money and, you know, spend it on a cast party at the end of the year. Right. Uh, you know, something like that. Um, yeah, she did not, uh if they didn't need her, they wouldn't uh have her there, you know. And so, and uh, they didn't really need her until you said about the third or fourth season, they started using her in more comedy sketches and could see what she was doing with the dumb Dora voice and everything. Right. <laughs> And um, it was it was a, amazing to see her growth there. You
0: right. know. And that, that's one thing I noticed watching him chronologically, which I was always thrilled to finally be able to do, yep. is a lot of the things that you know I started watching it probably around this time. Tim Conway joined the show as a regular cast member,
3: mm-hmm. you know, yep. was in
0: the first place. So yeah. seventy-five or so. Yeah, uh, like I don't even remember Lyle on the show. Like so, when I see repeats later, like the first <laughs> time I saw an episode that had old episode their old uh it was the 10th anniversary show yeah which i want to ask you about too but um sure. and it's like i go who is this guy oh that's the guy on wonder woman <laughs> you know, I go, he did comedy i didn't know that you know because i knew him from wonder woman
3: you know yeah. so you know, i was a kid you know so, yeah you
0: know and my dad would go yeah didn't you ever see him my dad always is like didn't you see that it's like uh, no I mean, okay. you, well, you mentioned this already. You said, you know, the first season was at ten o'clock, and that was part of the reason I never got to see it till like seventy-five because they wouldn't let me stay up that late. You know, well, also was, I was really too young initially. It was but, it was it was on
1: Mondays at ten for the first four seasons. Yeah. Then it was Wednesdays at eight for yeah. um 71 through middle of 72 and then moved to saturday nights at 10. yeah, yeah
0: and i might and, have seen it briefly when it was at that eight o'clock yeah. but it wouldn't have registered with me about lyle or vicky or yeah. anybody else i i, yeah. I basically kind of knew carol burnett because she showed up on sesame street and other
3: mm-hmm. yeah other
0: variety shows that i yeah. watched, like Clip wilson and things like yeah. that sometimes and she was on lucy's show and i watched the pierce lucy and things like yeah. that so you know, I'd see Carols and Carol was the one I zoned in on. Like, I don't even remember, you know, if I knew who Harvey was, you know.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you know,
0: but it, by the time I started watching it in 75, yeah, I knew who mm-hmm. everybody was except for yeah. Lyle. And um, so it's interesting. Now, Lyle, um, there's kind of a weird thing with him that she was looking for an announcer, but Was she also looking for, like, a hunky, studly man to fall back into at the same time? And was it supposed to be the same person?
1: Yeah, I think they decided that would be the good kind of getting two two birds killed with one stone, so to speak. Um, Because Carl Reiner, they wanted Carl Reiner originally, too, to be part of the show um before they got harvey and carl was just like i got too much going on there you know i love you guys but i can't yeah. but he said i will th-, he said I, you know what carol needs is someone like a rock hudson type against her where who's handsome and she can just you know g- do her man hungry routine on him and everything like that mm-hmm. and so they put out on a, um, a request for guys who were you know I, I don't know if they said studly or whatever back at the time <laughs> they're they indicate they wanted some handsome one theirs. And when Lyle came to audition, he was the one they noticed that all the secretaries were looking at and checking Mm -hmm. him out a couple of times there at CBS. So, um, he pretty much got the job, um, when they saw him the first time and he was there on the show for the first, uh, seven years. And then he just decided he wanted to see what else was out and available there. Uh, he was not going to, um, I don't think they were going to give him a raise or anything like that, anything, uh, you know, it was, it, it, there was uh, not that much. And I don't know, you know, might have been creative creatively, there might have been a um, little more he could add to the show other than what he was doing there. It was It was getting a little old, and I think the writers were getting a little tired sometimes of having Carol lust after him, you know, in different sketches and everything, especially with – um carol getting ma- more mature shall we say you right know,
0: right was... although i will say this about Walt Wagner, i do have a couple of questions about his career was first of all was he known for anything prior to the show i know he did the batman audition and yeah. lost that but has had he been
1: on anything before he did some kind of movie. I think it was Swamp Women or something. I, I got a limited that was filmed down in Southern Georgia, and Steve Beverly, our mutual friend, can tell you about it, how horrible it was. Seeing that you know, it was like the big premiere, and it was just it was just a bad thing. Uh, he was a struggling actor at the time there. Um, and had he done
0: any announcing or voiceover work prior?
1: Not anything of note that I could find.
0: I mean, he does know? an excellent job. I mean, he does yeah. a good resonating voice you know yeah yeah carol burnett show you know like now he
1: did but he had but he had limited acting capability sometimes i remember there was Mm -hmm. one scene where he was pretending to cry and carol was like losing it on camera she's like (laughs) yeah like
0: but i I thought he improved just as well as vicky did because the the two things that stick out for lyle's uh that i love um i just love this kid anyway even if lyle wasn't in it but it's like one of Lyle's best is Lovely Story, the parody of Love Story. Yes, yeah. You know, where he's the doctor and he goes, uh oh, and he puts everything yeah. back. Yeah, <laughs> yep. all the, and he goes, yeah, this, the disease, we don't know anything about it, but Tyler really can teach us, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then he takes out this little toy violin. Yeah. yeah. And it's just, you know, very funny, very clever and everything yep. like that. And, you know, he does a very good job. The other one, now this one's really more of a Tim sketch, but. I love it, I and mean, it is the one with the little Nazi puppet, you know, the Hitler yeah. puppet, you know, and of course Lyle cracks up, but I don't, I always say, you know, most people other than Harvey were pretty good about not losing it too often, Yeah, you know, and Lyle was probably the one that could do it the best, but I mean, that's where Tim got him, and I thought it was great, but I thought yeah. he did an excellent job being kind of more dramatic in that particular role, yeah. so I don't know if that was like an audition for Wonder Woman because then that happened to be during World War II or whatever. But that was my yeah. question about when he left. I mean, did he know he was going to go to Wonder Woman, or he just was? Tired no, of doing Wonder Woman was a
1: year program? or two later. Uh, okay. He really had no big job prospects that I know of. You know, he was taking a risk there. Okay. And you know, um, and you know, to some people, I remember. Uh, Howard Stern saying you know how much he he was a fan of Carol Burnett and he hated uh, Lyle for leaving the show there for a while you know considering him persona non grata you know how could you leave the show that's so nice and everything to him but he made the move and I think he could see it because you know during that last season there was um the mama's family sketch going on and there was no room for him in that sort of sketch, um, you know, and it just seemed, uh, you know, a lot of things were going on the show that just didn't. He was kind of like a, um, a round peg going in a square hole or a square peg going around a round hole sometime, whatever you consider the analogy there. Um, and I, I think he just said, you know, it's probably best and let us do that. Now, when they did that the following season, um, it was very up and down in my opinion, the shows. Yeah. Uh, because, and I think they realize they need to have someone on there and they decide to get Tim in the following season there. Uh, because if you look in, at the 74, 75 shows, they really, they use their guest stars, like, I mean, more extensively than ever before. Yeah. Some of them were like, Alan Alda was nearly in everything yeah. uh, when he did the show.
0: The Steve time. Lawrence was on all the time. By
1: that Steve point. Lawrence did a, yeah, did a <laughs> lot of that stuff. Yeah, and it did... It was a lot um, going on um, for the whole of it. I think I saw, I finally saw the one that had uh, Wayne Rogers and Buddy Ebson
3: mm-hmm.
1: and um, they were in almost every sketch. And in addition, um, Carol brought Wayne out for questions and answers too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so i'm like wow they're getting their money's worth for them but i think <laughs> i think i think it was uh, i think it was a challenging time also during that season that was when vicky was pregnant so she was, missed a few shows
3: right
0: and, and um it was it was weird. tim ultimately who they wanted or did they audition people like were they auditioning alan alda no, along no, the no, way no, or no, steve no. lawrence or Ken Berry or anybody that's been on frequently, or is this- they
1: they couldn't. Uh, well, it, Alan Alda had Mash at the time. There, you know, most of the True. guest stars they had on seventy four seventy five were actually a lot of CBS stars. They had Gene Stapleton, Wayne Rogers, like I had mentioned, Buddy Ebsen, uh, a whole slew of them. Uh, um, Telly Savalas, you know, um, they had a lot of star power from other CBS uh, stars there. I think they wanted Tim. I think they had wanted Tim because he was always got great reaction from the audience. He was a favorite of theirs whenever he'd show up. And um, I think it came into um, Joe Hamilton's idea. It looks to me, I can't confirm, but it looks like what he thought was, okay, we'll add Tim. It'll cost us more. But if we just have one guest star on the show rather than two that we've been having, that can make up for the difference of it. And so that's what they did. So from Tim's show onward, they would never have more than one guest star, you know, or like, or, or, you know, the like the Pointer Sisters maybe count as one guest star, you know, or Jackson. But I think
0: they, yes, before Tim became a regular, but yeah,
1: (laughs) they did, they, they were before and after Tim. Yeah. They did two appearances. Yeah. Um,
0: So, I have about three or four pages of questions. I haven't even asked one of them yet because (laughs) we're just kind of jabbering. But this ties into what we're talking about because I know he was Tim Conway's partner. And Uh one thing I saw, and a lot of these questions relate to the first five seasons because that's what I originally watched here recently. Um, So Tim Conway had a a comedy partner for a time of Ernie Anderson, who later did join the show. And you can talk about that a bit about – being the new announcer and stuff like that. And also the love boat and ABC and all that stuff. But, but um, I don't know if you watched the shows chronologically, did you, when you were doing your research? I I tried to,
1: at least, you know, I kept the notes in in there as much as I, I did, you know, I had to watch them wherever I could. uh, But I, I tried to there at UCLA when I had them and, you know, and there were, you know, and, and, UCLA had a good chunk of the first five seasons, but not all of them. You know, as you could tell, as I've gotten the book, there are some that I didn't have there. Um, So if
0: you watch the first season and maybe the second season too, she introduces Ernie Anderson like every week as a guy in the audience. And everybody's like, who? Who? I was like, who is this guy? Now, like I said, you know, Tim Conway did a couple comedy albums in the 60s. And so that's where I know him from earlier than yeah so, you know, low, 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 like we're saying yeah. <laughs> and it's like but was he known was he considered no you know was he ever considered to be the original announcer before they hired no. lyle no okay. no no okay. They okay. he
1: just came out there when tim uh, encouraged him to come out there okay. and they would have him in the audience and it was kind of like a running gag mm-hmm kind of went sort of stale after a while in my opinion <laughs> you know but well, i'm uh, surprised
0: they never had a, like they had little bit players that would only appear like once or twice like even bernie yeah. popel you mentioned was in one skit just as an extra yeah. you know it was like i'm surprised he's right there why don't they have ernie do something you know they did
1: have ernie do by the time when lyle left he started doing a okay few i'm not there Gamera. yet but yeah okay
0: yeah. Okay. You'll but see then him. he was kind of a regular with the announcer there. So Yeah,
1: yeah, um, exactly. And
0: did he, you know, like I said, I've watched those ones get the season right after Lyle left. Did Ernie immediately become the announcer or did they have some fill-in ones? Ernie, Ernie did. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah.
1: Right. He became that and everything and uh,
0: you know, and, the great voice um, of his. So and now I'm jumping to like the fifth season, but sure I saw this. It's like so you (laughs) and I'll tie it into what you're saying. Um, So you're saying you know they're trying to promote various CBS shows by having Telly Savalas and all these Mm -hmm. other people. But the interesting thing, and this is an episode you didn't really watch, uh, but now you can see it on these things. Yeah, is they have the episode with um, um, Tony Randall and uh, Jack Klugman. Jack Klugman. Yeah. Now. The Odd Couple was an ABC show. Why were they promoting an ABC show <laughs> and trying to help it stay on the air?
1: <laughs> well, I think I think she was good friends with Tony and Jack, uh, probably back to their days doing Broadway in the nineteen fifties, you know, and uh, and live TV at the same time. And uh, I think uh, it couldn't hurt to uh, have them on there as as guests and uh, for what they had. They had a, kind of a big. They were having a salute to Broadway was the show there that they had that going. So they just thought it would be a cute idea to have both of them on at the same time. And, you know, it, uh, it, I don't know if it helped get, um, odd couple of renewal or not. I mean, it was right on the bubble during that time, yeah. but, um, I think uh, it couldn't have hurt, you yeah. know, um, but it's
0: just odd that they're promoting, but they, they loosened up on those things in the seventies yeah. anyway that you could cross Carol networks and stuff.
1: <laughs> Carol and Joe had enough clout that they were able to get some guest stars that other people would be like, I don't want to see, you know, this is Carol's favorite, you know, and she wants to have this person in there. She had a unknown singer, um, who was, who Carol saw on Broadway, I think maybe in chorus line or something. thought, thought she had a great voice and had her on in 76. I can't remember her name, but I, I interviewed her and she was very nice and, you know, um, saying that, but yeah, Carol had that, that clout that if she was able to do something, she had, um, she had some stars on there that, um, I wouldn't necessarily have on, you know, as much as she did, but that's, that's, you know, it worked for her and made her comfortable there. Um, you know, so that's why, you know, some of them, uh, came on several times uh you know they almost always had Bernadette Peters on every season too you know always Edie Gourmet um and and so um she did she did try and expand some over the years but a lot of times it was one she was comfortable with I think the show ended up having even though it ran 11 years and nearly 300 episodes there were only about a total of about maybe 200 guest stars total yeah which is not But I think a all shows do
0: that. Like, if you go through, like, the Dean Martin show, very few brand new never been on the show before guests by 73, 74. I think Peter Sellers might have been one, you yeah. know, at the last there. I think yeah. it's
1: interesting. If you look at it, it I think it's um, telling that a lot of the guest stars at one time had variety series. And yeah. I think Carol knew and kind of sympathized with them about – You know, even if they had bomb ones like Leslie Uggam or something like that, she's like, you know, let's put them on our show. They'll they'll do just fine.
0: Well, yeah, I was going to ask you about that because, you know, uh, whether she tried to or not, she had three-fourths of the original regulars of your show of shows. Uh, Howie yep. Morris being the one holdout, but yep. uh, he may have been too busy doing Andy Griffith show or whatever. Yeah. You know? uh,
1: she did. Uh, she did have them. I think the one she admired a lot. She had Martha Ray on there a lot. I know she yeah. admired her, obviously yeah. an influence on her. And then at the time
0: later, Sid Caesar had Caesar's Hour, which had Nanette Fabray, and she had Nanette Fabray like. Way too many times in the first
1: season. Yeah. I thought. I think he said thirteen. Yeah. You know, twelve or thirteen. Yeah, I was yeah. like, oh, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I was. I mean, yeah, I, was I think one.
0: she can do a good job, but it's like, it's like way too often. I thought it's like, you know, yeah she know else? Thought, You know. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah,
1: I think there was that case. I think there might have been, uh, even though I like Martha Ray, I thought you know having her on two or three times a season was a little bit too much um, mm-hmm. for that way, and um, you know, but again it was what the, what what carol wanted and what made her comfortable more than anything else she did get um i think she kind of got it out of her system after the first 5 years because most of the ones that we see in syndication um well a lot of times the musical guests is cut out you know because of the 30 yeah. minute limit that they have there but the musical guests went from um Peggy Lee to Helen Reddy, the Pointer Sister, Jackson 5, you know, more contemporary. Um, You know, Carol didn't really think that she had rock acts on there, but she at least had some contemporary singers on there um, that were better. (laughs) Yeah, because the first five years, you're loaded up with Jack Jones. Every (laughs) middle-of-the-road singer in the world is on there. You're like (laughs) Pat Boone, and you're like, oh, come on, why? You know, and it was... Uh, It was very telling there. I think I recounted in the book that um, I think Dionne Warwick doing theme from the Valley of the Dolls or one of her hits there was about the only time you heard uh, an uh, artist singing a top 10 hit on the show Mm -hmm. until 72 when the Carpenters came on, you know, basically, I mean, that's basically the first five years they, they just were having on, you know, Barbara McNair and other, other ones Mm -hmm. that you're just like, if you didn't, you'd either go Who, or you'd be like, "Oh, I really don't care," you know. Right.
0: It almost so. seems like Smothers Brothers, at least for their first kind of half season, was that way, and then they then they started bringing on the good stuff like The Who and Jefferson yeah. Airplane and stuff. But I think that initial season, it was that. So, do you think it's more of a mandate by CBS? You need like more middle of the road acts or something. You can't get so. you know –
1: It may have been. I don't know to what extent. Until you're I know that variety. <laughs> variety um uh i think when they were reviewing in 1974 her show with um james coco and the pointer sisters the reviewer was like glad that she finally had a musical act that didn't attract i want to say something like the rheumatoid demographics or something like that <laughs> you know <laughs> um i don't know if there was pressure per se but i think uh, it could be, you know, she was raising three young daughters there too, and maybe they had a little bit saying like, "Mom, can't you just, you know, put something on there that's, you know, we, you know, we, we we'd need like those. to see."
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. <laughs> they probably went to the top. And was like,
0: can't you put yeah. all McCartney on there? You know, it's like, yeah, oh, because
1: the no, because the thing is, you know, because a number of times he was on there, you think like Steve Lawrence was a major force on the charts, and he wasn't by then. He was even struggling just to get on the adult contemporary charts, you know, but. um, she she liked him enough that she kept him on there long after his hit making days that were over
0: you know that's an interesting thing and they do have a question about it too it's like so carol i think put out one maybe two albums during the course of the show's run mm-hmm. and then she had a couple albums prior to the show and yep. a couple with julie andrews and stuff like that but um the last kind of studio album she did came out around 71 and I think you said it charted at number 199. You yeah. Know? And it's like, <laughs> Carol's not that, not the best singer in the world, but she's not that bad. You know, it's like, yeah. you know, she has, she's an interesting voice. I like her, you know. Yeah. And uh, it seems like if you have like a weekly show, like even Sonny and Cher, you know, the, the the TV show helped their career a little bit on the charts, you know, to get them kind of back on the charts and stuff. Why didn't it help Carol? And then it did help Vicki, at least on the one hit that she had. (laughs) Carol
1: presented herself, you know, more as a comedian than a singer. And often when she did do songs on the show, she also did often in a comic vein or, you know, or she, if she was singing straight, it would be with another star that way. So I think that kind of gave people the persona of like, okay, you know, um, she's not really serious about that, you know, so there wasn't that. And she didn't really push it that much that I can tell definitely on not on the show that, you know, she mentioned that she had it, but, um, she didn't plug it every, every millisecond right. think... like some of them do. <laughs>
0: I think the biggest plug she had in the show, I think she did sing a song from it, but I think the biggest plug is on one of the Q&As, an audience member had the album, say, can I get it autographed? And she said after the show or something, it's like, I would have brought her up. She she brought everybody else up. (laughs) I I, I guess she just kind of was self-conscious. Maybe she had just a contractual obligation to do one more album or something. I don't know.
1: Well, I don't know. I have never explored that with her. I do know that with Vicki's situation, she had actually recorded a few um, singles prior to midnight, uh, not midnight train uh, <laughs> night. The lights went out in Georgia. Yeah. Know you're Georgia tunes, Wesley. Yes. <laughs> um, but Bobby Russell, her then husband had written that and they needed someone to sing a demo. So like, Vicky's, like, okay, I'll do it for you. You know, they were aiming to get someone like Cher right and uh sonny bono in his infinite wisdom said oh no you can't sing the chair can't sing that it's going to offend the south yeah so then vicky who did it well enough they thought well let's just go ahead and put it out with her you know we got enough confidence in the song and do that yeah. and uh she sang it and it was the f- it the, she did it on the carol burnett show the first week when it debuted all the way at number 100 on billboard's hot 100 thing which usually is not a good position to start with as anyone right. can tell there have been like about only about less than 10 songs that have gone from 100 to number one
3: right.
1: on there but it it did well enough uh, and it broke first ironically in georgia was popular there yeah. and um it became a huge hit for her carol pre- presented the gold record to vicky <laughs> on um the the last season show i think of 72 73 um and um but with that success uh that was the last big hit for Bobby Russell mm-hmm. and he and Vicky were starting to pull apart and yeah. they divorced the following year and her music career never really flourished after that mm-hmm. you know now,
0: so was Carol jealous of that success that Vicky had oh no, I think it? she was thrilled with her oh, okay. that way you know
1: Cause, I think really- Carol knew that the the music scene was not one that she could make records and get hits on right now. You know, there were very few of her contemporaries able to do that. Um, You know, um, like she, she saw Steve Lawrence and the rest, you know, Edie Gourmet that she thought was a great singer was nowhere on the charts, you know, by the seventies. And, um, you know, it was, um, it was kind of a fluke thing. I think they, they hoped that Vicky could continue her success, but uh, it just wasn't meant to be.
0: Since we're talking about music, um, I know on all these shows, basically they've cut them to 22 minutes in length, uh, yeah. with some exceptions. Uh, and it's basically because the music writes, so most of the music yeah. gets cut out. Uh, but sometimes they'll do something, like the earliest example is The Fun Family. They actually have the whole episode. They have them in two 22-minute yeah. segments, you know, yeah. all the skit, the other skits, and then The Fun Family as another yep. show uh, in this new syndication packages and we streaming, whatever. Um, what is the deal on music rights? I mean, it's like they did, they have slipped through a few songs uh, they slip through
1: the ones, basically the ones that they wrote for the show, like The
0: Fun Family. Right. Those, but, I mean, they, sometimes they, keep... they they slip through ones that are just legit songs performed by legit performers because, yeah. well, there's not enough comedy in the show. we got to find 22 minutes somewhere. Yeah, so. yeah
1: exactly. And the, they and pay the for those
0: more? They, how does that work? Maybe some more, but remember, like I said, most of those
1: weren't big hits, you know, so they're not hard to get. You know, Dionne Warwick was the only one that had the, the big hit during the first five years. So when you're seeing stuff on there, you know, it's like some of them, they had Bobby Gentry on, and she sang a song called Bugs. I'm like, you couldn't have her sing Ode to Billy Joe because right. you thought it was overplayed. You know, she, Carol even taught she has one of the biggest sing- singles in the country right now, so we're going to have her sing her song Bugs. I was like,
0: no. Oh. Well, was there any issue with even way back when about music rights and stuff like that, or is that like, very I don't think so. Not to the extent that, in, you like know, they,
1: well, you know, it used to be that variety shows would just usually run once. And, yeah. um, you know, and during the summertime, like Carol's show usually did, they'd be off during the summer. So too not too many of them would be rerun, you know, yeah. so you wouldn't have to, it wasn't an issue. Yeah. Carol's, uh, kind of, you know, uh, set, um, uh, the, uh, exception to the rule by deciding to do uh, Carol Burnett and Friend reruns uh, mm-hmm. daily starting in 77. And when they did that, yes, obviously, the music rights would do that. And, and remember, Carol did a lot of those things. Um, a lot of the musical numbers um, would be salutes to famous songwriters and everything. So you've got to deal with the people who own those catalogs. Yeah. And getting that right, you know, is just not worth the effort sometime mm-hmm. for what they have. Um, sometimes it's uh, you know, using the actual songs from some movies and they have that um going away at the same time. It's it's a it's a thorny matter. I'm just glad that we um got the ones that we have of Carol's mm-hmm. show most of the part. But I do miss there are some of them that I wish I could see. Um mm-hmm you know, that I some of them, they didn't have at UCLA or some of the archives. And all I see is the edited version and it just right. kills you, you know, like yeah. I wish I could have seen that finale. Cause it looks, you know, the, you see the costumes and the dancers and everything, you know, they had a great time doing it. Right.
0: No, I've said this earlier is the first time I saw a lot of the, those early shows is clips in the 10th anniversary show. yeah. And that's what got me all interested, you know, when I would see, you know, the Dennis sketch. That's where I saw it the first time. And uh, what's another lovely story was one. And uh, um, uh, from here to eternity and all these ones that were in the first five years, you know, you'd never see them on the Carol and company. Now what I originally thought was that Carol didn't like it, that she was falling into Lyle's arms and, you know, she was being a progressive feminist. And so, you know, I I've said it, this is my, Commentary. She she had a stick up her butt about the first five seasons because she didn't play well on them. You know, she was more yeah. mature and independent on those later ones. Well, it turned out that was totally untrue, and that it really had to do with Bob Banner uh being he, co-owner on there. Yeah, and then he, he, I find out in your book he didn't do a damn thing. So what's the story on that?
1: <laughs> you know, he decided to pursue some other activities five years later. It was amicable, probably much amicable, I guess I should say, uh, parting between the two of them at the time. But because of that, because of the ownership situation, they, and they had enough, uh, you know, uh, episodes by the 10th season, you know, when they went to syndication, that it, they didn't need the ones with him. So they did that. And at the same time, Carol, I read an interview she said in Panorama magazine in 1980 where she uh, said she didn't like how she looked and acted in some of the early shows and everything. So I really thought we're never going to see those live again, you know, which is why I'm amazed and grateful that they were able to get the rights straightened out. And so they're now on Pluto TV and, and, you know,
0: and sometimes, you know, through time, life full episodes. So, I mean, now the video versions of some of the episodes that are in the first five seasons or any of the seasons, um, is it just that because it's a subscription based video thing for the most part, uh, they figure people are willing to pay a little bit more to cover those music rights and other incendiary yeah. uh, rights that might be in there?
1: <laughs> some of the some of it is, but they still have the ones I've seen so far, they still have some of them edited uh, in the okay. first yeah. yeah, the first five seasons. Um, I've okay. seen a couple that are throughout 30 minutes or so there. And and, you can, and, and they're very badly edited, I hate to yeah. say. They do, uh, you know, slow crawls at the end there, the credits, try and fill up the uh, stuff. Um, they cut out some of the question and answer segments that begin the show, because she used to have, at the beginning of the first season, she really had, Q&A would take up the first uh, seven to 10, maybe 12 minutes of the show it was that popular that people you know, people would do all these crazy things and have it happening on there. And it was a, a, a good opening there uh, for, for what she had. So yeah, I, I've seen a couple of them where I'm like, mm, that's a weird edit, but okay.
0: <laughs> so when you were doing your research and you said you went to UCLA for most of them, yep. um, um, did, uh, why were they missing him? Why, why didn't they have,
1: um, I'm not sure what was going on. Cause I, th- I got the idea when I remember reading that Carol was donating a lot of them to sh- UCLA. I don't know if they had them all, you know, UCLA has a huge backlog of uh, materials that they haven't been able to get processed and available for even, you know, reviewers to look at, you know, um, they may have not had it all, um, you know, together. Cause we're talking, what 280 tv shows you know sure. that alone uh, yeah. hour and, and that's a lot to get together and uh have accessible for people to watch right. uh, even in a setting there um so i think that might have had a impact on what it had there at the time um but again i, I this is just pure speculation on my part because i've not been able to talk right. to carol and get the whole
0: details yeah. um well once they did get them available, even in the edited form, I mean, who had them and where, where did they reside and how, how did, how did they get them out so easily once they kind of finally did it?
1: I think Carol had them. uh Well, Joe was her husband there. And I think uh Joe's son um kind of worked with Carol and trying to get the issues resolved. Cause he's credited on a lot of this um, work they're doing there. Um, I don't know exactly where they had them in storage um but i'm sure they had it somewhere safe enough that even though some of the um videotape may look a little worn and not the best um it's held up pretty well i'd say all in all from what they have there at the time um you know there's a certain um brightness level of some of the early color videotape shows that um uh, you notice, especially if you look on, on, on Rowan Martin Laughing. That one yeah. really kind of just a couple of them you're like, ooh, I need to turn the contrast down right. or something. <laughs>
0: one thing I noticed um, I'm watching old shows and this is also shows like Hollywood Palace, even Ed Sullivan, and I think it's just the 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 age of the camera being used is yeah. you know, you got the box. It's not widescreen like this show. <laughs> and then the corners, the corners are starting to clip off with, like, this little rainbow effect. And and, yeah. and then they switch cameras, and it's not so pronounced. And it's like, so the ones that are more pronounced, I think, isn't it that camera's on its last legs, and they yeah. probably yeah.
3: You know, <laughs> give that to
0: college or something, and then they get a brand new camera. Yeah. By 72, I noticed on the sixth season, e- e- either they cropped it better, mm-hmm. or the videotape was better, but, they didn't, but you don't see that yeah. much in... You know the Carol oh, and Company.
1: Yeah, it might have been both. Yeah. Yeah. By that so, time, so yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In a
0: lot of '60s shows, I said Hollywood Palace. That's where I first noticed it. You know, when you get the widescreen, uh, the big screen TVs, it's like, what is that? Because yeah. oh yeah, they're going full scan all the way to the edge. That's the part yeah. that used to be cropped by the glass too. But, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it's it. Yeah, it's something else when they. Uh, you look at the shows that way, but the content still holds up really well. I'd yeah, say overall.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, that's another thing. Is right, it's kind of remarkable most of the the quality of the shows, per, you know, except for what I just said. You know, there's not too many audio or technical glitches or anything like that. You know, I mean, yeah. were they recording these on like two inch tape or what were they doing?
1: I believe so. Yeah, okay. I think that's what they've got them there. They would do um, they would do uh, what they call a dress show in the afternoon around four thirty or five. They would do one show and then break for dinner and then do the, um, I guess they call it tape show, you know, the second one after that, and then try and they could combine both of those, you know, elements of that to get things together. Sometimes, uh, according to one of the editors on the show, sometimes there would be um, almost all shots from one, in one sketch from one of the tapings, but then they'd insert something from the other taping, you know, and you, unless you were really, eagle-eyed, you wouldn't really notice a difference there. Um, But he said there were some people who were like, you know, I could tell this was from that one. You know, He'd all hear from those pedantic types all the time in the industry, you know, so you're like, whatever, you know. Now,
0: during the course of the 11 years, was it basically done the exact same way like that?
1: Pretty much. There were some exceptions. They did go to um, England one time to promote the show being uh, shown over there and uh, I think it was 1970 or so
3: yeah
1: uh, that was an interesting show to watch because you can tell that was different crew I didn't even everything. know that
0: existed you know yeah I knew the Australian show yeah I think I knew and, they did a New York show but yeah yeah the New York show thing. with David
1: <laughs> Frost and everything yeah. so it was it was very uh, adventurous on how they did that and sometimes they would go out the most famous one was uh probably their incredible musical one where they did uh, Carol and Edie Gourmet did a tribute to seeing a bunch of a medley of Hollywood hits. And they ended with uh, them singing hooray for Hollywood with the Hollywood sign behind them. And they had it on camera. It was like incredible, you know, yeah. it was obviously filmed and inserted that way. Um, there was also uh, when they did the parody of Esther Williams uh, movies, uh, Carol, Carol, they filmed Carol swimming in a neighbor's pool um, there for that bit, and because uh, they couldn't do that on, on the
0: set, obviously. You know. Now, did they use that same footage later? Because I think that appeared. Okay, so I've seen that it appeared. already. It was like on the third or fourth season.
3: Yeah. That
0: appeared in their spoof of "That's
1: Entertainment." That oh, okay. was uh, a okay. One of their, um, they were like, you know, oh, we can recycle that. So okay, yeah.
0: because I didn't know. I mean, now I know, you know, that it was supposed to be an Esther Williams. Film and then she actually sang, you know, baby, it's cold outside with the original yeah. singer yes. Ricardo Montalban. Ricardo Montalban so, yeah, you know, it's like, oh, I never knew they did that. Yeah. You know, that's cool. <laughs> and that that song actually did make it onto these edited cuts, so at least that yeah. was yeah presented. So I'm happy about that. So.
3: Yeah.
0: Um, now on all these different shows, like uh, the New York, London, and Australia ones. I mean, obviously, those cost more money to do, but. Yeah. Uh, was there a reason why they stopped? You know, after so long. You know, I think the Australian one was the last one that was
1: in '73. I think for both Australian and the United Kingdom one, they were doing that to boost the sales in those countries. You know, and those were pretty adventurous. Um, I have to be honest. I think by the last season, um, Joe Hamilton was just not there as not what they needed as the executive producer of the show. I think he just kind of like, uh, let's do this as the least amount of trouble possible. Let's just do this stuff. Um, he and Carol had been going to Hawaii a lot during that year, during the their time off from the show, they would reference it on the Q&A. Oh, we just got back from Hawaii, how wonderful it was. Um, at the same time, that was when Carol's daughter started to get into drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone I know said, no, that didn't have play effect on the in the show at all. But I kind of wonder if it might have in their own personal lives with them kind of getting the focus off of um, what they needed the time there. Um, it did seem to me like I, I really think um, Joe was really let down the ball in the last season there. It was not. As expansive as um, what they had in previous seasons.
0: Is that the, se- the 11th season of Dick yeah. Lake? Um, yeah. Okay. Um, one thing I noticed also is you know, uh, just watching those first five seasons, and we get to the end mm-hmm. of this run too, but um, a lot of running gags kind of started in the first five seasons that were very firmly established. Um, like we've mentioned, Vicky's dumb dumb girl voice you know, know. and then i noticed uh the you know they started uh as the stomach turns pretty early on but they didn't do the part that always got a laugh and even from me uh dropping the baby into the umbrella stand until the third (laughs) or fourth one and then it was always in there
3: Yeah. yeah and then of course
0: the infamous mother marcus you know which you know by the time i started watching the show it seemed like Harvey was doing that every week it probably wasn't yeah Um, it was a guaranteed laugh getter yeah um yeah there were
1: a lot of them um that there were there were a lot that they had there that hung around for a while she played the uh Girl Scout cookie salesman who conned a lot of people um that went for a couple years into the mid-70s um, Harvey and, uh, Carol playing the old folks in rocking chairs, that one lasted again until, uh, until, uh, Tim kept, took over and joined the show. Um, yeah, the most enduring one was though, uh, as the stomach turns was the one sketch that lasted all 11
0: seasons. And it was, it, the, the ones that kind of surprised me that I'm seeing in these early seasons, kind of like I forgot the name of the characters, but it's basically like a riff on honeymooners, you know. And it's like yeah, yeah. Harvey and Carol. But it's not very good and they did admit. It's
1: times. not. And and when when their um original um head writer left in 72, they wisely dropped that um combination of them. There was mm-hmm. some there. I think um one of the writers, I can't remember which one I've got it in the book, but by the fifth season their um, head writer, and again I've lost his name. I should be doing this better. Than that. <laughs> no, okay. um, he was repeating a lot of their stuff. Read the book. Yes, he was repeating <laughs> a lot of their stuff, and um, and so was, was a point where Carol Carol said she was seriously thinking about ending the show, hmm. um, because she and Harvey were just like we're going to redo this again, you know, and we came every second or third show they he let's let's do this to sketch what we did it couple of years ago or this was in it. 72 she was thinking so, and, yeah 71 72 mm-hmm. um because uh he had just um he just seemed to have lost any inspiration was running things to the ground and um so carol that was a year carol fired him and a lot of the writers and of course that's the year when the show finally won the emmy for best writing go figure <laughs> you know
0: yeah that's it's interesting i read that before now i've seen the season Um, there's moments in that season, but it shocked me the first time I read that, that they would repeat segments. I mean, I get it, you know, they didn't expect these things to have a syndication life or anything, so why not repeat skits from a few seasons before, but it wasn't a matter of repeating segments, like, there's a few skits they repeated from, um... I'm forgetting Gary Moore and Irwin Kirby, Yeah. you know, but that made sense because they were on the show again. Why not redo it in color in yeah. a new show, you know, but to redo sketches that actually just appeared two or three seasons before that arguably yeah. probably everybody saw. You know? Yeah.
1: And then I didn't see it until they've got it out now with that batches, but that was a season where when Tim was a guest, Carol just repeated the, the, Dennis sketch with him and yeah. Harvey. They didn't read stage it. They just reran the whole sketch that had been on there two years earlier. Yeah. I mean, that's how lazy the show had gotten there. You know, I'm like, you're, you're going to do that. So what Tim, Tim appears in what one or two sketches and that's it. You know, yeah. it, it was, um, yeah, it was, it was, uh, tough there. And the, the, um, I don't know if you saw it there, but, uh, the, the, penultimate show of that season with Paul Lynn and Karen Black.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Ooh, that was one of their worst. <laughs> yeah. Even in the 30 minute version. I've heard it's even worse in the hour long because um, uh, uh, Stan Mason, one of the dancers there, um, told me that uh, Karen Black had a musical number and she kept on uh, bickering with the director. She's like, Dave, have you got me in the shot? Is this right? You know, and everything. And, of course, when it came time to do her number on the air, she was missing her mark and all the stuff, and it apparently was a mess.
0: Well, like Um, that one, like most of the uh, 30-minute episodes or 22-minute episodes, I should say, um, Karen Black's only appearances on the closing credits, so she doesn't really Exactly, yeah,
1: she didn't do it. But the ones that they had there, Mm -hmm. they had Paul in redoing, basically redoing what he played. a a year earlier as a um, insurance salesman who was really friendly to Carol and Harvey. And then when they had a disaster, he's like, what, what happened here? I don't know you people, you know, that type of thing. (laughs) It was basically the same thing, but not as well done.
0: Now do you think somebody like him didn't continue the show because of that? Because he did other variety shows like he was on Donnie and Marie show all the time in the late seventies. So
1: yeah, well he did.
0: The, after seven one seventy two he had the
1: Paul Lynn show on True. ABC and it was running opposite Carol's show here at the time there, you know. Yeah. So because
0: um, I thought it, in general he did a pretty good job, even at the skit yeah. you know, it, he always turned into good performance, you know. Like
1: he did. Uh John Biner did. I talked to John Biner and John was like He said he never was offered a regular guest shot. And he said he just, he was fine being a guest star there, but he would have been just fine. He was one of the best on the show there. He really got the comic senses going.
0: And I'm amazed. Some people that only appeared once, you know, like Don DeLilloes. You know, it's like really yeah. just once. You know, yeah. it's like I get it if they weren't very good, but you know, tody tody Fields appeared Todi once. Fields she was, was great. Excellent. Yeah, this is one time too. I was like, what's, yeah. the, you know, what's happening? And, here? and you're like, why
1: did you only do it one time? You yeah. know, I don't. I don't get that. You know, um, and a lot of them, I know they want to do their, I think Phil Silver's um, said in an interview he thought it was one of the best shows, and when he watch his show I, I don't know if i hope they have it the hook uh, ending credits but if you watch it um during the end he gives harvey corman a little push on the tush i guess you'd say the, <laughs> patting him on the butt there once i'm like wow i didn't know that's kind of out there for 74 you know, you know kind of being familiar with that one again i mean yeah. i've seen it
0: before i know what you're
3: talking about because. yeah
1: but no. <laughs> um yeah he, he um you know there was there was a lot of um yeah, there was a lot of good people on there that I thought should have been on there more often too. Was it know? partially
0: due I know you said Paul Lynn got a show, so know yeah, that yeah. It, that excuses him, but yeah. was part of it due to that overall laziness? Like after they got the the rights to their own show without Bob Banner, it the, the kind of the laziness settled in it's like, Oh, we can always have Steve Lawrence, we can always have Ken Berry yeah. we can always you know Well was some of that, but Stevie too Gorman, they also yeah. had
1: I think for some of them, I don't know if they knew uh, what they could do with them beyond a guest shot sometime. Sure. You know, um, like um, when, um, oh, gosh, uh, she, she I'm going to hate myself for forgetting it. Um, uh, Rita Hayworth, when Rita Hayworth yeah. did the show. You know, she did a great job and everything, and they were mocking her, but, um, you know, they basically did everything that they could, you know, with Rita playing herself. And And and
0: that's a little different. That's kind of like Saturday Night Live when you have the the big guest star. You know, we'll use Betty White as an example. You're not going to have her every week, even if she was a lot younger. It was like um, you have her in for the reason you have her in, and that's it. You know, if you do an encore, it's kind of redundant and – Superfluous and all that, and <laughs> I think too. Carol also wanted
1: to be surrounded with people that I think she knew would not be um make waves. You know, be pretty easy to handle. I so yeah. there were a lot of times. You look there um if you watch the show. I think you'll see it a couple of times where people ask her when are you going to have Raquel Welch on? We think it be okay, hilarious. To never have did. <laughs> No, and I think it's partly because Raquel had that reputation (laughs) of being, yeah, of being really opinionated and everything, and I think Carol would have been like, I don't want that on the show, you know, Um, you know, pretty much, if there was someone really uh, bad on the show, that may have been, may have paid the factor of her going like, we're not going to have them back on here, you know, they're not, they're not here to have fun and be fun with us.
0: But it also seems like this, and we already discussed this a little bit, it just seems more reliance on the family, only because they got to be so good. Like, yeah. um, it, a question I was going to ask you about is, who did the animation for the opening titles? But before you answer that, I will say, the first three seasons, they have a very simple animation of her as the Charwoman. And yep. the CBS falls on the ground and it turns out to be Carol Burnett's show. Hey, clever. Yep. Um, but no mention of Harvey, no mention of Lyle, no mention of Vicky. Then yep. the fourth season, they change it and they have like these little rooms open up, with, yep. you know, and then she mops them all off the wall. But at yep. least now they're getting mentioned, but it took till the fourth season for that to happen. Yeah. So was it like, oh, these people are kind of, interchangeable they could leave we don't know <laughs> and then by the fourth season okay i think harvey's here to stay <laughs> you know
1: yeah i think i think they you know may it might have just been oversight may have been contractually obligated by some of them i don't i don't know to what extent they had in terms of you know doing the titles you know like mm-hmm. the thing they had on gilligan's island during the first uh, season and the rest yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but do
0: you um, know who did the animation for those i've shows? got it in the book somewhere okay
1: um okay. whoever the person is um passed away or was no longer active because when they'd done the reunion specials they had someone else do it and it looked uh it really i didn't like the way they did it there it was like a so sort was of this, a 3D version, but it, it was, was the, the same
0: one. person doing it all along. So even on that, even on the I believe Carol, so. Burnett, on the and Carol Burnett
1: and Friends. Yeah. Okay, it was yeah. the same one there that you can find um, doing it at the time there. Um, and I know, you know that
0: they, they don't show this on these cut versions, but you know, they have like slides with like more to come or the second half or something yeah, yeah. like that. You know, yeah. Yeah.
1: They have a couple they, of them on there. I've seen them on some of the shows. They have yeah. that. And they some of them even kept like uh, the promo sponsor that. Lyle is announcing
0: for them, which is kind of unusual. So, so um, yeah, it just seems like there's kind of th- uh, three distinct phases of the show, kind of like mm-hmm. seasons one through three, four <laughs> to six, and then seven to eleven, kind of in a certain way, you know. Um, and I don't know where I'm going with this. It's just like uh, did they kind of change it up partially? Well, I know Lyle left, but I mean, just partially just to kind of see how long we can make this thing go. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, the show
1: always got, uh, like Carol said, it was never, it did have uh, one season where um, it looked like it was going to be near the top 10. I think it got its highest rating was uh, number 13 in the sixty-nine seventy season uh, on Monday nights. Um, it still was good. I mean, it was still a regular top 20, top 30 show on Saturday nights easily, you know, mm-hmm. um, there was, um, part of it, uh, was, if you look back, you're like, well, ABC made some stupid programming decisions opposite, you know, <laughs> you're like, who the heck wanted to watch Owen Marshall at Saturday nights or anything, you know, all these other, um, areas they had there. But yeah, it, it, it basically, like you said, from 73 on, they had the pretty much the same head writer and everything uh, was going there. It was relatively stable. They did have a couple of new writers jo- joined in 77, 78, but I wouldn't blame the show being canceled because of the writings. I, I think, well, some of it, but I think some of it was Joe Hamilton still trying to make the show into what it was without Harvey Corman being there. And, um, and the show it by then, you know, it was the eleventh season. It was on opposite Love Boat, um, which was younger and fresher and, and everything. And um it just it it really didn't have the same spark uh without Harvey there. Uh it, it just seemed like it was um going backwards from its comedy. It was it was, you know, repeating some stuff. There was one point in the eleventh season where they did their third spoof of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde during their third salute to MGM pictures. I mean, I mean, that just tells you right there, we're running out of ideas, you know?
0: Yeah. So it's kind of like 71, 72 again, but now yeah. you have double the amount of episodes. So yeah, why not hang it up? Yeah. And by then,
1: I mean, I mean, by then almost every you know, classic movie they parodied by that time. Right. You know, by you, you do by two hundred eighty. You, you you know, if you're just doing movies that were hits in the 30s and 40s, well, there's only a finite amount that most people recognize or you know would want to make fun of. You know, so.
0: No, I don't know if you interviewed him, but I just interviewed him yesterday, and this is my surprise. Okay. <laughs> um, so I, I interviewed uh, Dick DiBartolo from Mad
3: yes
1: and uh, i
0: interviewed him yesterday and uh i asked him because larry siegel stan hart and Ari cogan who also wrote for mad worked on carol burnett show so i said why didn't you work on carol burnett show you worked at match game to tell the truth you were in the industry and he revealed yeah i was going to do it but it was going to be for the 12th season (laughs) oh my god did you know that I did not know that. I didn't know it now. either. So that's what that's what my we revelation is to that. you. And he told me that yesterday. And he said, "So had there been a 12th season, he would have signed on to be one of their writers." Yeah. Now you like, know
1: Stan Hart and Larry Siegel. They were the head writers in the 72-73 um, season, right? And but um, and they had some of the best shows, I think, of all time of the Carol Show. But they ran into some of the other. Uh, the the guys who were serving as producers of the show at the same time um, and I talked to all four of them to make sure I got all of their perspectives and I think it's a really interesting chapter in my book when I do that but basically there was enough tension going on there that everybody either left or was fired from the show at the end of the season and uh, the uh, Hart and Siegel never worked together professionally after that as well um neither did the other two gentlemen it was it was it was kind of a, a sad uh state of affairs going on that yep. way um but that happens
0: you know um, um, i'm or, I'm working on a man book which is why i interviewed dick but i also love dick so i
3: wanted to talk yeah. to him <laughs> anyway what is my excuse to
0: talk to him the other thing i asked him and you know he revealed it, it's like um you know uh, besides the twelfth season thing, was uh, just working on all those different TV shows and everything that he worked mm-hmm. on. He was very gracious and everything like that. I'll, I'll have it. Up oh yeah. Weeks oh, yeah. oh
1: yeah. I, I talked, talked with him. I talked with him about uh, for the Betty White book. I think you know that. For yeah. Um, yeah. You know, especially because he did that parody of Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. And that was hilarious and yeah. uh, some other stuff he had there working with her. So,
0: um. Let's see. Now, one of the things, I guess, is like, so we've talked about you yeah, had missing episodes with UCLA. In mm-hmm. fact, I, I emailed you about this when I said, <laughs> you, you, there's one episode you said it may not even exist, and then we find out it does. So, yes. <laughs> um, but uh, I don't know if you've done any further research on it, or, but uh, it's the October 13, 1969 episode that Scoey Mitchell, comedian, and Bobby Trentree, tree to yes. Billy Joel again. <laughs> and uh, apparently, it does exist. But yep. you were saying it didn't error in the original run. It might have been a summer repeat. But did you investigate further on that, or it, just it, it wasn't? Air it wasn't a summer streaming.
1: I don't think it. I don't think it ran at the time. I do not know. There was some kind of, according to the, my source there. When I was trying to find uh, get copies, who had a lot of audio copies of old Carol Burnett shows, he said according to this uh, ratings summary thing that he had that it was preempted by some something, some news special or something that happened. Something must have happened. Yeah. I don't know. I, I do not know. I looked at the. I looked at the newspapers, and I'm like, "What happened?" There was no. It didn't seem like there was anything ordinary with a, any kind of problem with the space shuttle or anything. You know, and, and nothing. Nothing stood out. But apparently, he said, "Yeah, it was not available because of it was that." An so
0: year wasn't Olympics. No. no nothing. Yeah. Have no.
1: So that. it might have. It, I'm wondering. It may have aired in some time slots and maybe not some others. And uh, you know, and they just don't. They just didn't have it at. The, at um, whoever had it at the time there, but it's a it's a it's another weird episode because, oh, yeah,
3: you know, yeah. I mean, it's
0: nothing to to get excited about other than the fact that you said it may not exist and here it suddenly is. And so, yeah, but I, I didn't know, and I, I did ask you about this, but you kind of say no, is, you know, and like in the Smothers Brothers show in their third season, they had episodes that you know didn't air, you know, yeah. like the one with Harry Belafonte is a notorious one, it didn't air till the 90s. When, See,
1: mm-hmm. now I don't know if. It is interesting because on that one, that Scowey had a monologue about doing drugs or something on there, yeah. which I'm like, that's not a Carol Burnett show type comedy, right? I'm like, and I'm wondering if that could have
0: made it got pulled, but you. Didn't I'm, I don't know. Reason. I, I don't mean, Scowey is still around. You- <laughs> yeah, but he doesn't talk to
1: anybody. Oh, he doesn't I mean, talk to he, anybody. Okay. I mean, sure, sure. I, he and Bobby Gentry. I'm like, those are two of the biggest show business recluses right now you know Um, they yeah I think there was a whole thing where a reporter tried to uh finally track down where she was I think she's somewhere in Tennessee living now and she just refused to talk to him and um yeah it's it's been um both of them have not done an in-depth interview I don't even think even in this century from what i can tell i yeah. mean they they both really have fallen off the um, yeah. thing which is unusual because you saw them all over television in the late 60s and early 70s
0: yeah you know i saw on rhoda that was where i think I first and
1: it. he did match game and yeah. some of the other oh, yeah. things right. and uh, um yeah and then you're like uh, i don't know something 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 <laughs> happened there just decided not it's, not it's just to talk. sad
0: because like those two were on that show. Maybe they'd have some sort of insight. About yeah, it.
1: that's what I was hoping. I'm Carol like,
0: probably wouldn't remember because you know it's just a blur. It's like yeah, you know, oh yeah, it was one of those episodes. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what happened. <laughs> that happened then. I don't know. Yeah, that could easily. <laughs> I mean, she it. may remember, but you know, who knows? Yeah, you
1: know? I don't. I don't think so. I mean, that's it's, it's it's you know, she didn't make any reference to it in her book on the show. So,
0: right. um, and I know. You did not interview Carol or any of the regulars for uh your book, but uh have you talked to any of them before or since, just even in
3: casual i had
1: not um I had not gotten able to talk to Tim or Lyle before they passed. Uh, I have not been able to talk to Carol or Vicky's um uh otherwise mm-hmm. uh Carol's publicist did know I did tell her I was doing a book and request an interview, and she's she's flatly told me no. Hmm. Which is unusual from a lot of people I've heard, but Carol has a different publicist than what she had previously, hmm. so um, that may have played a, a factor in it. And that, it may maybe because that was around the time when Carol was doing her own book on the show, yeah. Um, so getting it together. But my opinion was, you know, I talked to everyone else outside the cast. The cast had pretty much had said their own pieces, and their they've had their own books, all except Lyle, um, and Lyle. Uh, Lyle's, or his representative, I can't remember, just said, no, he has no interest in talking to you. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, you know, I just go with what I had there. Um, and I think it's pretty informative that way, because you get a lot of, th- especially because I talked to a lot of the writers, they had kind of the inside skinny, you know. I mean, you um, talked
0: to a lot of guests so I was like wow, yeah <laughs> you know I don't even know if I bothered to talk to this person they were only on yeah. one show but I mean you look they remember
1: them. but they remember doing the show very well you know because yeah. it was a very nice show to do uh, Carol treated them well and um, you know t- showcased their talents very nicely hmm. so yeah I was able to get most of them um, except for uh, a couple of them that I can't remember whatever various reasons, you know. Sometimes they some turned turned it down because it wasn't an official Carol Burnett thing, and you know, <laughs> you know how you know how it is. Some of oh, them yeah. just come yeah. up with stuff, so you are like, okay, I'll just go on without you. Uh, there was one, um, I won't say who, but uh, the spouse of that person requested that I uh, pay some money to interview that
0: person, and I said, that's not that's tough. To. I mean, like when I did yeah. my first total television. Book. I, mean, uh-huh. I, I I was trying to get Larry storage, and uh, you know there's a an agent. I I don't mm-hmm. really think it was a real agent, but some yeah. sort of representative for him uh, that wanted me to cough up some dough for like two questions. And it's like yeah. no, no, I can't do. And it wasn't yeah. a s- small amount of dough either. <laughs> it was oh, like, I know. You know, I know. I've heard I've heard from one or two.
1: Yeah, and you you wonder about. I feel like asking these people, do you know that these representatives for you are asking for this and they're yeah. making you look bad, you know? Yeah. So
0: <laughs> Now it ended up working. Okay. Because later I did a DVD set and some, you know, Wally Winger, whatever his name is, the announcer on, I think it was on the tonight show. Or is he on, uh, with Leno. Um, uh, uh-huh. is that his name? Wally Winger? That no, that's,
1: name? um, it uh, was Walt, uh, I, know, I know you're talking anyway, about me, he Anyway, he
0: interviewed Larry Storch on the DVD set, so I got okay. the answers to my good. questions indirectly. You
3: know? <laughs> but you know how that is. It's like, well, yeah, I'll get yeah. it from this source, but I'll get it from I got that, source. yeah. There, was, yeah, there so. was a
1: really good, like I said, the Panorama magazine, which didn't last long, but I somehow, in my wisdom, kept it. Mm-hmm. And it had a really good in-depth interview with Carol in 1980 about her show and yeah. what was going on, and mm-hmm. uh, had a lot of. Uh, good quotes that I got from it. And plus, I was able to watch her um, do some stuff on The Tonight Show and Dick Cavett and so on there and, you know, interesting quotes that I could use about um, the show from her perspective. So that that's that's nice, you know. It's all, I think that adds to a flavor to a book. You're like, oh, th- she, he got her on The Tonight Show and there right. she is in the
0: magazine. Over the years, were there any true friction or fights between the cast members there
1: was one in the book carol talks about it when um i think it was in 72 there was one show where harvey was being really nasty yeah. <laughs> and um yeah and 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 tim didn't realize it when they talked about it later on but she said it was a show where tim was a guest along with uh patula clark so nice people but carol said he was just there and at the end of the show when they're saying goodbye she looks like she's shooting daggers from her eyes she just gives them like the cold you know like this you, you don't notice it until you're looking for it there and you're like "Ooh, there's something going on there and then after that show she said she did her, little, her best joan crawford thing and told them you know all right harvey we'll let you off the show it's like what what she's like yeah yeah it's like i don't want you to be here and have this attitude going on i was like no i want to stay on the show and, I was like, and she said well if you are you're going to be here i want to see you have fun and enjoy things and don't leave your issues outside this and get it together and so the next morning when uh the next weekend you know when it came back monday um the elevator door opened and harvey got out and Carol was there in front of him and he started he twirled around dancing <laughs>
3: everything <laughs> to indicate. Well, I'm also, fine. I'm good. <laughs> didn't they
0: also like uh give him a sign that said happy go lucky Harvey yeah. or something <laughs> yeah, to that effect yeah. on his dressing room board. And yeah.
1: there was one Q and A where they someone said, What's Harvey Corn really like? He said, Oh he's the same easygoing guy you see on here and you hear the crew and everybody laughing their heads <laughs> 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 You know. I mean Harvey Harvey was a worrier or some, you know, and he, but he had, was really committed to the show and wanted to have the, the excellence in it there. Yeah. And, um, you know, and I think, uh, he, he really invested it. The, the shows, um, without him really are lacking, um, very much, um, uh, the special spark that he provided there. He was a great foil for Carol. Yeah. He could sing, dance, do comedy. Mm-hmm. Make a character very believable and wacky, uh, just everything you needed in a sec- second banana. You know.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, did Carol ever have any friction with Vicky? Wasn't she kind of when Vicky got pregnant? Wasn't there some friction there? Or no?
1: no, that was Joe giving. Oh, it was friction. Joe. Joe okay. was saying, "Okay, you're starting to show, so we can't have you on here. We're going to that." And and she was like, doing that, and then Carol kind of lobbied, said, "You know." can't we have Vicki back on it I'm missing her so they had an episode where mama supposedly fell and got herself injured so they had a lot of blankets on her as <laughs> she was a wheelchair and everything so that hid that and then Vicky came on at the end of the the 74 75 season you could see she was very pregnant and um you know did a, did a couple of numbers with Carol
0: that's why I ask you all these things. You know, if there's yeah. jealousy or anything. So it sounds like in general they got along and still do. I suppose. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think I think they really did. I heard um, Vicky supposedly was um, telling Carol recently how broken up she was about Betty White passing because you know they did Mama's Family together. And in fact, um, Betty did the Carol Burnett show three times, and you know she she was playing uh, Ellen's the. Mean sister of right. Carol's character on that um, did a great job. Uh, Betty's shows all three of them were great. Uh, mm-hmm. She she was great for that show. She she like I said know how to sing and dance and have fun and mm-hmm. do deliver a lines great. So
0: then I have to ask you about this. So it's mm-hmm. like the eleventh season is very weird with Dick Van Dyke. And he's yeah. only on there like ten episodes, so it's not even on the full season. But I I watched those originally, and I was thinking, what's going on here? Why are they doing this? It seemed very awkward, and Dick Van Dyke had appeared, like, a year before or something, and it was very different, you know? It's like, uh, why did they have this need to kind of change it up with Dick Van Dyke and not keep it the way it was in that one episode in 76?
1: Well, with Harvey leaving, I think they needed someone there. They thought we needed someone, you know, who's a big draw to somebody. Dick and Carol had worked well together. They go, they back, you know, they were in doing theater and live TV back in the fifties, you know, in New York. So they knew each other for a long time. Dick Show had won the Emmy for best um, comedy variety series, even though it lasted. You know, a couple of months on NBC, Dyke so there was thinking. Yeah, yeah, Van Dyke and Company. So they thought, okay, he's a hot property. If we give him there, we'll give him co-star billing and make it like that. Um, unfortunately, doing that, um, you've got to refashion how you're going to be doing the show, and they they didn't really do that to his talents. They basically plugged him in there to be like a replacement for Harvey. Mm-hmm. Dick felt out of sorts. Um, one of the writers or, or dancers has said they felt by the third show, Dick was already un, not feeling well and like, I want to get out of this. You know, this is not right. This is not working for me here. Um, he stuck through 12 shows, just left unceremoniously, um, didn't do that. Uh, it was um, really, it, it was it was not a good mix there going on there. Um, there was a, a lot of dynamics going on at the same time. I think with with Harvey leaving the show, it really kind of indicating a a passing of an era on the show of of what it was and had been. And it that last season was it was you know maybe one out of every four shows was good. I still
0: enjoy it, but then I haven't watched it again recent Yeah. But it is funny. One of my favorite episodes is, like, totally near the end of the run, and it's probably due to the, the guest, which was Steve Martin. That's, like, yes, one of my favorite Yes, that was one of their episodes. best
1: ones. That was Steve Martin and Betty White. That <laughs> yeah. was, like, that, that was the best episode. Yeah, I Steve, love
0: his know. dog act. I love yes. uh, the beach blanket bingo parody. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I can't yeah. remember all the things. Oh, the of the as the stomach turns with uh
3: the, betty the, uh, and the close and,
1: encounters you know? yeah <laughs> see that was all that but you know but everything else was just like you know there was yeah. there was one time you know how they do did this the recurring bit where carol would be a housewife and she would be besieged by people from commercials coming yeah. up and doing their little routines on her which was always funny they did that and it was just like it was the first one where i was like this is not funny this is not working this is they're That's trying why I'm to rewatch work.
0: all these because they don't yeah. they don't there's a lot of those 11th season ones especially the ones with Dick Van Dyke that are not on home video yeah. so and there know. there's a
1: reason why
0: yeah you know now, um was there any friction with like other you know we talked about carol with all the different ones oh also did you interview dick van dyke about this or no
1: no i did okay. not okay. but i did get his comments uh in his autobiography and okay. he mentioned it briefly on a, a museum of television and radio um okay. interview seminar uh, that i saw
3: so he had
0: he admitted
1: he had trouble with the show yeah okay. he, he he's yeah he in in more or less yeah okay. he just said so, yeah he
0: Obviously, uh, Tim and Harvey worked together and mm-hmm. probably didn't have much friction. What about Tim and Vicky?
1: Tim and Vicky did fine. It's just I think Vicky got a little exasperated with Tim going off script, and that's when she did that one time. Yeah, well, that's what, that,
0: that's what made me ask that. I mean, it's like, yeah. you know, there's one thing to kind of <laughs> keep it under wraps when you're acting, but yes. then behind the scenes, like, like, almost like she's sick of it anyway but you know <laughs> yeah. that was yeah. the last straw you know? yeah
1: well she 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 was informed during the between the shows he did one story about the uh, Siamese elephants right. <laughs> and then uh well no the first one was about the uh was it that the elephant and the trainer were lovers the other one was the Siamese elephant yeah, I, the I think Siamese the first one, was,
0: one is supposedly the one that got the, yeah. that's the blooper real one yeah Although that was the second one. That was the
1: second show. Yeah. When she was doing that and uh, she was informed that they said Tim's story is going to change in that one. And she's like, God, I can't just, Oh, I don't want to, why does he do this? And so her husband who was a makeup artist on the show said, well, why not get back at him? Do something like that. (laughs) So that's when she, you know, released the line about, you know, are you sure this little blank is, right. is shut up, you know, finished? I'll say yeah. it, this is a little asshole. Yeah. <laughs> <You
0: know? laughs> you know? yeah, and it floored everyone, you it know. Is. Yeah, and, you know, people mistakenly say that that was Harvey Korman, but it was Dick Van Dyke. Over yeah, because he's saying barely saying, in, you've yeah.
1: barely seen yeah. him that much, yeah. and it looks like it there, you know, yeah. so. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, he was playing a guy who uh, rented – the the something there yeah because they had to write off here harvey's corman is leaving um you know which sounds like a laugh riot doesn't it right (laughs) so um yeah but uh other than that um you know i think everyone there's no big things that i saw um heard from any of the dancers or the writers or anybody like that there was some friction with some of the writers sometimes um there was um
0: I think they even say that on some of the interviews, like with BuzzCon and yeah. on some of the DVDs. You know, I think they yeah. kind of allude to that, not gratuitously, but yeah. a bit, yeah.
1: Bob Schiller and uh, Schiller and Weisskopf, who were you know the big guys behind uh, "I Love Lucy" and everything, they were doing the show some in uh, 1970, and they they couldn't get their ideas accepted there, so they left it. And they went to uh the Flip Wilson show and mm-hmm. they won Emmys for, you know, the work right. that they were rejected uh for doing for Carol's show. You know, that that happens sometimes, you know, there's just some um ego trips going on with some of the writers and how they how they get them together on the thing. So um and there was also two um some other areas, uh the um the music conductor harry zimmerman uh they had to fire him after four seasons because he he was missing some cues and everything and um and he he he, his music style was kind of old style itself so it helped them get peter 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 mats peter mats yeah and that was a good choice you know to get a more contemporary style in there and um uh, i think that was um you know that wasn't necessarily a controversy they, they kept that very quiet there you know but but harry i mean harry zimmerman had such a low profile he died like six years later and didn't get an a, a, a obituary mention in variety that's how obscure he'd become during that time so even though he'd done a lot of radio and tv uh, conducting so
0: so had the show gone on
1: mm-hmm.
0: one more season i mean it and also let me ask you this uh, Considering what Dick DeBartolo said, was it kind of originally planned, oh, let's go one more year, and then did they change their mind, or was Carol always adamant, we're, we're done, no Harvey, we're done? Um, Carol kind of shocked went.
1: According to Carol, she said uh, she asked them if they were planning to renew the show for a 12th season, and CBS said yes, and she said, well, uh, thank you, but I think we're going to end it this season. Um, that she had there, the show had moved in the middle of the season from Saturday nights at 10 to Sunday nights at 10, where the ratings actually went up some, yeah. but, um, you know, it, it was not anything near where it was at the time there. Um, I think, um, everybody knew if it was going to continue, it would have to have some overhauls big time. And, and it. Plus CBS saying that, yes, we would It doesn't mean they'd renew it for a whole season. Sure. It means they could have done. I'm sure she saw what had happened before. Um, where some long running shows like Bonanza, Ironside, Rhoda, they were all canceled in the middle of their season you know, even though they had long runs because they, the ratings had dropped so low. Yeah. And I, I'm sure she was like, I don't want to see that happen to our show where we're canceled and I, I don't have time to do a farewell show and get things together, you know. So, um, that that did it again. I don't know if things in the personal life may have been affecting there too at the same time. But um, yeah, by then I mean, and, and let's face it, by 1978 the Comedy variety was pretty much dying on t v you know,
0: although I tried to watch everything, you know I' watched Donnie Marie, I even
1: yeah,. Didn't but Barbara they, Mandrell, they they only had yeah. uh, Shields and
0: Yarnell, Captain yeah. and Tennille. I'd watch all those things. But, I love the variety format. But but yeah,
1: but Donnie Marie would be off the following season. Yeah, no no show right. would really last a year. I think maybe Barbara Mandrell and the Mandrell Sisters lasted two years. You yeah, know, and never was a big hit. Dolly yeah.
0: had one, Dolly Parton.
1: Yeah, one year but, with her. You know, yeah, if Dolly Parton. mother's brothers
0: tried again like the late yeah. 80s, so it really lasted a year or so. Yeah. So, yeah, it's unfortunate, but, yeah, it's really expensive to do that stuff, I guess, to do it, right. it It's so,
1: expensive. It's, it costs a lot, you know, it takes a lot of riders to get things, you know, look at the riding credits on Saturday Night Live yeah. right now. That's ridiculous. You know, I'm I surprised
0: mean, that keeps going, but I guess as long as Lorne Michaels is in charge, it'll probably keep going.
1: But as no. long as, well, Lorne Michaels has got nbc's main programmer they've got there. right you know, they've i know got, you you usually
0: hear bad mouthing nbc yeah. most of the time so I yeah guess. you know he's
1: got he's owns their late night you know everything he's got with jimmy fallon and seth myers and all that stuff and so that's a different situation by itself yeah yeah i was thinking when i was doing the book i was like well maybe i'm gonna mention something here about how the show affected or competed with the siren night live it really didn't i mean it was a different kind well, the of the only thing musical. i ever
0: knew about it is lauren michaels used to say and he probably didn't say it later on because of mm-hmm. jimmy fallon not being host being a, a cast member is mm-hmm. like we're not going to do carol burnett we're not going to crack up in sketches and everything yep, we're yep. going to be professional but you know jimmy fallon yep. threw that out the window way years later so yep. <laughs> but- exactly exactly <laughs> But, you know, I
1: think, I think Carol was kind of more in her own world. I The, the, the writers said they did watch some of the other competing variety shows and maybe Carol did too, but I don't know to what extent um, she did. I don't, uh, I don't think, um, you know, there, there were probably some that just didn't connect that much or, you know, maybe so that's not my style or, you know, um, you know, it, it was, it was a, it was, a, it, the show was just its own creation.
0: Uh, you know why? Had they gone on 12th, uh, or even, did, were there any discussions for a replacement for Dick Van Dyke, or they just said, we'll just continue with who we have?
1: Yeah, Dick Van Dyke, all they did, they had a couple more times with uh, Steve Lawrence and Ken Berry a couple yeah. of times there. Um, but do you think it, I,
0: either of them, had they gone on 12th season, might become a regular in the?
1: I don't know. Okay. I don't know if they, I know it's all because,
0: speculation because yeah you know, cuz so.
1: I don't know I think they really weren't certain on who they were writing for and how they were writing for it it was it was not to me it was not um coherent uh writing um they introduced some new recurring segments that just didn't resonate with me in that last season and I don't know where they would go if they would continue them uh why they would continue some of them they they were just not really um funny and amusing that much uh to me um it, yeah i mean it, it it's it's hard to to speculate
0: for me course, here's another weird speculation but i doubt it would happen but um possibly Harvey coming back (laughs) since he did come to the Tim Conway show, Tim, you know, like a year later, you know, and even Carol guested on that, you know, which I always thought was kind of bizarre. Even Carol did like a short lived summer series in 79 too, which was kind of bizarre. It's like, they didn't want to let this thing go, which I know as a fan, I was thrilled. I was like, do more, do more, do more, you know, but it's like, I knew, I think
1: Harvey, I think Harvey would not have come back. I think Harvey was a little tired. Honestly, from having done, by the time he left, you know, remember he'd been doing Danny Kaye from 63 to 67. Yeah. So he'd been doing uh sketch comedy nonstop for 14 years in a row yeah. on TV. And um that's got to wear on you even after you've, um, even no matter how much you're compensated or whatever, you know. Right. Um, he did have a chance, as Chris Corman pointed out, he did have a chance to be the lead on the love boat, but he just thought yeah. he, he didn't want that, you know, I mean, it, 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 think about it. if he did that, my gosh, that would have been what another eight or nine years as a regular. And, yeah. and you know, that might've really made him financially secure, but I'm not sure emotionally it would have been um, doing that, you know, no,
0: no, granted he, he did Mel Brooks films, but in yes. he wasn't a major film star, but I mean, Blazing Saddles, High Anxiety, History yep. of the World, are not anything to really sneeze at. Maybe the last yep. one, but anyway. <laughs> you know, but, you know, it's like I, I like him in both those roles, you know, yep. in High Anxiety and uh, Blazing Saddles. And it's like, did Chris ever talk about Harvey continuing on in movies or was that just like as a favorite to Mel or did you not discuss that? Um, Harvey did do that.
1: He also had some other interests and everything. Harvey got to the point there, uh, I think it was when he was doing the, was it, um, I think it was the one with Valerie Perrine where they were playing uh, a married couple. uh,
0: Dick and something. Dick and Dora
1: or something, I can't remember that, yeah. Beverly Hills or something like that. Yeah, in 1986,
0: yeah. George Burns comedy something review or something like that. And where
1: it was being taped out and everything. Uh, was some far location that he had to drive into, and and he was just like, "Why am I doing this to myself? I don't need this. I don't want this." The so he only did one more series after that. Well, that was because it was Mel the Nuthouse nut with, house, with, yeah. with, with um, <laughs> Cloris Leachman, because he knew Mel and knew how to work that. But otherwise, you know, he kind of just uh, and he took did it this easy.
0: Wonderful Star Wars holiday special.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but he 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 was basically yeah. by the 90s he was like semi retired and yeah. fairly happy with what um he did there you know he he do some stuff with Tim sometimes yeah. on the road yeah that's um awesome. <laughs> yeah you know uh, uh but um you know i don't think I I don't, I'm not sure they could have paid him enough money to have him come back for the 12th season there. And Mm -hmm. I'm not sure even if they did, if audiences come back to see it by that time, because, um, you know, it's, it's very hard. Any comedy is very hard to sustain into 12 seasons and beyond, you know, look, look at, look at maybe, I think, I, I think there's probably no more than 10, 15 that, in the history of television that lasted 12 seasons or more, you know, and by that time, um, like the cast of now. I mean,
0: now is kind of a fluky time. You'll have like CSI or yeah, but that's, but that's, that's drama. That's okay. I see. I'm saying
1: for sitcoms. Yeah. By that time you're either, you know, you've grown outgrown your original premise and you're going off in different tangents and some of the time it's weird. Um, you know, and, and like when, when, I remember the cast of *Mash* held a vote about whether to do an eleventh season, and then the numbers there were more saying yay than "nay." So that's mm-hmm. what it was, and that was the one they decided to do it. But by then, you know, several of them—I think Alan Alda—and some were like, "You know, we're we're running dry. We've yeah. got nothing. I, I don't want to be doing this when, uh, uh you know, it's it's going to." go crazy and, and and Harvey noted that too when he he left uh in 77 not only because of career opportunities but he said you know he felt like th- it was running getting creatively dry there too at Carol Burnett show he's like we've been through 50 riders over 10 years you know and it's like <laughs> how many more are we going to burn out yeah. for what we've got you know and how how you know what other f- fresh situations can we get there and, and can I bring to it you know
0: I'm surprised they never did, like, just, like, what Bob Hope did. You know, he stopped his weekly series and then he would do specials, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, Did Carol have no interest in doing TV specials at that
3: point?
0: Carol
1: did some, but she was looking at some other opportunities. Remember she did Annie uh, movies and everything. She 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 was getting more.
3: (laughs) Yeah, she was getting more (laughs) opportunities.
1: Yeah. I didn't say they're all great movies, but she was getting a lot of work in movies in the 80s and that sort of thing. And that kind of dominated it there. And, um, you know, they. Um, could have done it, but they would have had to be negotiating with um, new personnel at CBS, you know, by the 80s and who may or may not have remembered the show. It's a whole bunch of stuff there. You Pers- know, Bob Hope was really a special case because he basically could own NBC. So That's he had, was able to dictate the terms with them.
0: And I guess Carol did try again later. I mean, she did have the short-lived Carol Burnett show that had yeah. kind in a couple of which had its moments, but nowhere near, like, this original Carol show. Yeah,
1: and that's the thing. You're always going to be compared like that. You know, Sid Caesar never got what he had with your show of shows because I think a lot of people felt, you know, that's good, but it could have been, you know, where's Imogene Coca and, you know, where's, where's, you know, Carl Reiner and everything. So, yeah, there's always, you know, that's the thing. You uh, kind of fight that sometimes, the legacy that you have you have a tv career and um carol to a certain extent is endorsing you know she's got her one woman show she goes across the country and takes questions and answers and shows clips from the show and people like that and uh it's a nice um feeling and you know i think she's um been able to determine what she wants in show business which is good to see you know and she's still active
3: so. i i guess
0: i'm glad at least that Later on, she did do a few retrospective shows with the cast, even when yep. came back you know, Harvey and Harvey yep. and Tim just a couple more times, you know. And, you know, yeah, if, even if it was, you know, the bloopers one's pretty good. Bump up the lights is kind of, you know, okay, you know, it's like yeah. if you've seen them. But at least, you know, it was nice to see them together a couple
1: more yeah. times before they but I mean, on. You know, <laughs> you know I, I do know when they did the 50th anniversary special of the show, um... There was, uh, you know, there were some people invited there who had very little to do with Carol, Mm -hmm. um, both on and off stage. And uh, that irked certain people in her circle that I know uh, wish they would have had some things. But that's the way, um, you know, I guess that they had to sell the thing to CBS to get it that way. You know, have Mm -hmm. have the younger stars on here, you know, uh, Tracy Ellis Ross and some other stuff, you know, had nothing to do with the show um but um you know it did have a 50th anniversary show so that's that's well i mean uh, my
0: i was not uh too upset with having younger people you know admiring the show because it would be like people not our age you know saying mm. we grew up with this you know yeah and to, you know but uh You know, the sad part is Tim was already ill, and so he couldn't show up for the show. And uh, I don't know about Lyle, but it would have been awkward to bring him and not Tim, and Harvey was gone.
1: I can't remember if Lyle showed up. He did not. Yeah, it was just Vicky.
0: Vicky was the only cast member that showed up. And of course, yeah. they wouldn't even consider, I guess, Dick Van Dyke making an appearance. But, no,
1: yeah. no, yeah. I don't think so. You know, yeah. I don't think people would like, what? And, you know, so, <laughs> yeah, that was a thing. You know, by the time they did it there, you know, a lot of the guest stars had passed away,
3: you know. Oh.
1: Um, so, yeah, they had to do what they had at the same time. But So um, I liked
0: it for what it was, but the, the biggest glaring yeah. thing was, you know, Tim was ill and, you know, yeah, it's like, oh, he sorely missed at this point. Yeah. It yeah, could have been nice for one more time, you know. But you know, it's like,
1: yeah, <laughs> I know, I know. And he, he
0: he always surprised me on it. Well, even Lyle too, because it seemed like they were healthy as a horse for the longest time, and then just suddenly, like the last couple of years, you know. I don't know about Lyle as much, but you know, it's like yeah. it seemed like, you know, he was pretty robust. You yeah, know, yeah. He was on the reunion shows prior, you know. Yeah, exactly. Harvey looked a little feeble on some of them. That's why.
3: You know, yeah
1: harvey harvey um harvey lived to be about eighty, I think, so which was actually pretty good um uh you know he uh he had a couple of health issues during those last couple of years, going there at the same time um Carol, on the other hand is in great shape, doing a lot of stuff she's really vibrant um she's uh, married a younger man and apparently very happy in that relationship it's and
0: like dick van dyke in that way yeah. in that regard. yeah America
1: yeah so yeah <laughs> and um so yeah overall i mean i think it's a the good thing about the show is i really didn't have to do too much uh there wasn't too much dirt to uncover not that i was looking for it there too there were a couple of them there was um one guest star, a younger singer, uh, I can't remember her name, it shows you my brilliance, but in the 74-75 season, she later had problems, uh, mental problems and everything like that. And I think she died in her 30s, you know, but that's after the show there. Um, most of them, you know, you have, it's good people associated with good memories on it, so that makes it very nice.
0: One thing I meant to ask, you know, Slip sure. but uh, the episodes that you didn't have it, weren't able to view. You still were able to list all the sketches and everything. Yeah. How, how were you able to, to achieve that?
1: Uh, just what they had from TV listings, you know, oh, that okay. I saw and, there and, TV and, guide and, and stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. yeah so wasn't there a had. book?
0: What was the book that you mentioned? I forgot what it was like a reference book that you can get TV information out of. I forgot the name of it. Um, oh gosh, there's a book on that.
1: Oh god, um, <laughs> uh, it's <laughs> a, to... like a reference. I'll have to look it up. Oh, you maybe. mean you don't mean like the Brooks and Marsh thing? You don't mean I
0: don't maybe? Like yeah, it's like there's a reference. How how does one access stuff like that to get <laughs> TV information like that? I mean, or is TV Guide your best reference for?
1: Well, uh, it was combination of of there was TV Guide, uh, IMDb. Um, I think those of the main ways. I might have looked. I don't think I looked on Wikipedia. I tried to avoid Wikipedia as much as possible. Um,
2: but yeah, it was
1: like it was that and uh, yeah, and newspaper listings and seeing what they had mm-hmm. of the, um, the show, you know, what they capsule descriptions they had at the time um, to make sure they had them. Some of them like uh, I talked to Shecky Greens. Oh, here we go.
0: Uh, The Ross Reports TV Index, that's what it is. Okay, that's the one the guy said.
1: No, that's what the um, the man who had the audio thing, Phil Grease, told me that the Ross Reports TV Index indicated that the 69 show didn't air during that time. Okay. I've I not seen that. He okay. has access to it. And I'm like, okay. 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 So, <laughs>
0: so, okay. Because once I read that, I was like, mm, that might help I do me not in know some of my research. I, like, I
1: don't know okay. if that's still in publication, if that was during the time or whatever, okay. you know. So, okay. I, I, I don't know.
0: All right. It was just it triggered a light. Yeah, I, like, hmm, I might need this. So anyway, um, any final thoughts uh, about the show that you'd like to say? I mean, I'll, I'll hold up the book just so you can plug it here. Um,
1: it's a it's a classic. And I'm glad that we now have all of the episodes available to view in some form,
3: mm-hmm. you know.
1: And uh, yes, some shows are grayer than others. That happens for any show that we have at the same time. Uh, but I do think it, it, sh- it showcased uh, some of the best comedy and music uh, that we've had on television of all time.
0: Very cool. And there are just some rip-roaring funny episodes that just <laughs> make me Oh, laugh. yeah. Over oh, and over, yeah. even even if it's been repeated to death, the dentist yep. sketch still, yep. <laughs> do it, you know, <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> lovely story, you know, anything. Most of the stomach turns anytime Mother markets makes an appearance. So yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yep. <laughs> That's what Carol said. So glad to have a time together. That's really what she wanted to be. You know, kind of like a family laugh along, enjoyable time. Right.
0: Well, um do you have anything else to promote or if you're working on any other books at this time? Not right
1: is- now. Doing the Betty White on TV book was a big undertaking, and it's gotten a lot of good reviews, and it's my 10th one. And so I'm kind of trying to figure out if I want to do an 11th one. If I do, it's got to be something really good. So right now I'm just trying more to get everything in order in other parts of my life first and then maybe – try and see what I can get out, uh, right now. Uh, as you know, it's kind of, uh, it's, it's tough doing TV themed books right now because, uh, some publishers won't take them. Uh, and, um, also a lot of the classic TV shows now we've, most of them are covered by now, you know, most of the ones that we have and trying to find a good angle is, uh, is a challenge in itself, you know? Right. So and I and I want to make sure that I write about something that I love. Yeah. So, you
3: know, that's always tricky. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. Tell um, me about so it. So,
0: if people want to get a hold of you, uh, website or anything else, what's the best way?
1: Uh, the best way is um, just go to the Amazon page of me, Wesley Hyatt, my author page. It's got all ten books there, and you can check them out there and see what you want and leave a review if you hopefully like it, you know?
0: so <laughs> I need to leave a review of the Carol Burnett show, yes. That's yeah.
1: It's good on that and I'm also on uh, Goodreads, too, if you're on Goodreads. Yeah. Um, yeah. That one's a nice one there, too. So feel free.
0: Very good. Yep. All right. Well, I thank you, Wesley Hyde, for joining me again on another great uh, episode of Fun Ideas Podcast. Always a pleasure to talk to you, and it's always great to talk to anybody about the Carol Burnett Show, one of my favorite shows of all time. (laughs) Thank
1: you. I appreciate
0: it, Mark. All right, and we'll uh, see you next time. Thank you for listening, and thank you, Wesley Hyatt, for being my special guest. Remember, you can always watch the video version of this episode on YouTube. Episode 153 will be coming soon. If you would like to comment and or be a guest on this podcast, please drop me a line at funideas.mark at gmail.com. Become a patron of Mark Arnold and Fun Ideas Productions. If everyone listening just contributed a dollar a month, that would be a tremendous help in continuing the production of my books and this podcast. Also, subscribe to my YouTube channel. The opening and closing music for the Fun Ideas Podcast is provided courtesy of Andrew, the Slow Poisoner, Goldfarb, and is used with permission. This has been the Fun Ideas Podcast. This is Mark Arnold speaking. This episode is copyright 2022, Fun Ideas Productions.